0: This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider becoming a patron and joining us at www.patreon.com forward slash Colt Hey
1: everybody, it's AJ just popping in at the start of this 6 hour and 20 minute episode. Just to let you know that there are no spoilers for Endgame up until about the 5 hour mark. Uh, we recorded... 90% of this podcast before we saw Endgame and so there's not even a chance of like something slipping out or one of us accidentally revealing that we know something so if you haven't seen Endgame you actually have five or so hours of podcast you can listen to uh, and if you want to know when we talk about which movie as with the last three episodes you can check the time codes in the description of this episode, in the show notes, they'll tell you when we talk about each thing. So, even if you want to skip over to Endgame, you can do that too. Let's get to it.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? For Cop Pop Shrine, AJ uh, oh. Sipson. And you're listening to Film Franchise Fortnites. It's the show with hot franchises and even hotter hosts.
1: <laughs> and even hotter Fortnites. <laughs> uh, AJ w- Simpson. Well, yeah, like OJ really
0: Simpson. <laughs> yeah, that's what I must have been thinking of. I was like, why did I say Simpson? <laughs> Do you know that actually came from forgetting your last name for a second? Wow. Yeah.
1: Because I was like AJ. I've already said J. It can't start with J. Yeah, no one who names himself AJ would not ha- would have the J mean their last name and not their middle name.
0: You should just call yourself the J.
1: What up, everybody? I'm the J. <laughs> VJ. VJ. Oh yeah, VJ. Like VJ.
0: Could Is that a name? Video journalist.
1: Ah, very close to that. Um, what we are journaling. Uh, our videos on on this podcast, Richard, because this is, of course, as you said so eloquently, film franchise Fortnite on the Cult Popture podcast, or as we have subtly rebranded, just Cult Popture, I think, is what the podcast is going to be officially called once it's on the Little Empire Podcast Ooh. Network next fortnight.
0: Oh. <laughs> Now that we've like now that we're in phase three, we yeah. could pay off the setups from from yeah. phase one.
1: Yeah. And we'll we're we'll probably this episode's gonna be uh the longest thing I've ever recorded. So <laughs> yeah. we won't go into too much of what the network entails on this episode, but we might talk about it a bit next week, I think. Um maybe yeah. a little addendum at the end of the episode. Yeah, like but
0: that. um yeah, strapping. I'm estimating from from where we are now, the vantage point we have. I'm estimating this episode is going to be five and a half to six hours. Now, our first episode of the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcasts was one minute longer than at the time of recording. What was the longest MCU mm. film, which was Infinity War? Yeah, uh, and it was one minute longer than that. And then our phase two episode, I think, will ended up being longer than the longest now at time of yeah. you're listening to this because Endgame game has been released um and it was over 3 hours and this one's almost double that length presumably yeah thank you for joining us on this on this journey this mad cap recap cap and also just so you know We, at the time of recording, we haven't seen Endgame, so there's no possibility of us spoiling it. Uh, So feel free to listen. If you haven't seen Endgame yet, feel free to listen right up until when we start talking about it, because everything up until that point we recorded before having seen it, so there's no possibility of us spoiling it.
1: And on that note, uh, at the current time of recording this part of the episode... Uh, we've only seen the first three uh movies of phase three because we didn't want to miss anything and we didn't want to forget anything by the time we get to you know the last phase three movie. So, this is that we've never done it this way. I'm happy to admit that we've never yeah. recorded halfway through a franchise before, or you know, at least partially way the way through a franchise before. Mm-hmm. So, um this will mean almost nothing for the listener experience, except for the fact that, that when our energy we,
0: level is going to stay higher.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's going to be no dropping off at the end, like there was for phase two, <laughs> um, which we haven't released yet. But I'm already imagining people are going to love. Uh, <laughs> at the time of recording, we haven't released. I should say. Um well, yeah, all that really means is that when we rank when we talk about where we ranked each film, me having gone from back from the start and ranking them all again as I go through, that's going to be different probably, well, almost certainly from where it is at the end of the third movie we're talking about today, as it will be from the end of the episode entirely. So that's, that's (laughs) all you needed to know. Yeah. And maybe you didn't even need to know it. Yeah.
0: And maybe you're not even listening to this podcast and
1: maybe you don't care if you're not listening to this podcast. Know that I love you and I miss you.
0: And if you are listening, know that I hate you.
1: <laughs> wow. I love you. How how would they be listening? If, <laughs> if I hate them? How, how, was, <laughs>
0: how could someone listen to this knowing deep down that I hate them?
1: <laughs> so yeah, this is the final Marvel episode we're doing. Um, and, you know, I'm, as you can look at the runtime of this episode right now, that, might mean nothing in terms of finality because you've got however much longer to go to to listen to it. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us this whole way. I hope you've enjoyed it so far, and I hope you continue to listen post uh game for phase four of the podcast.
0: Oh yeah, this the podcast can really be divided into before and after. The we Little Empire this. Acquisition. Yeah, yeah.
1: 100%. <laughs> what a perfect what a perfect franchise to end being an indie podcast on. <laughs> and yeah. Because it represents Marvel in, in a lot of ways as well, you know? Yeah. Was that your phone vibrating? No. T- turn it off.
0: I put it on my lap.
1: Put it on silent.
0: It is on silent. I had no. it on the desk because I thought. Oh, do I thought vibrations no be- not make noise? No.
1: Well,
0: AJ, you're hurting my feelings. I made my
1: friend um, choke while drinking water the other day because my phone was like up against my zipper, and it went like, and I just as it did, I went, <laughs> and cracked up and choked on his water. I am
0: um, um, a classic uh, comedy move I've done in the past. Is when a phone is ringing, move your mouth to pretend that the noise is coming from you. (laughs) Classic. Uh, Um, And that you have no control over it. So you keep getting flustered and then it keeps taking you over.
1: Now, Richard, we're just idly chatting like we don't have a six-hour podcast to record. So, shall we jump right into talking about the films?
0: phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hot off the heels of Ant-Man and the end of 2015, we were introduced to the film Captain America Civil War in 2016. Mm. This was again directed by the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo. And uh, AJ, what's this bloody movie about, mate?
1: Well, I didn't have a lot of time today to put together a synopsis, so I've copied the lines from Wikipedia that vaguely summarises the plot. So these going to be vague, boy. These are going to be not enough information, but, you know... I think most people who are listening to these episodes have probably seen the movies, but if you hadn't, or if you need a reminder, in Captain America, in Captain America, and Captain America: Civil War, disagreement over an international oversight of the Avengers fractures them into opposing factions. One led by Steve Rogers, aka Captain America, and the other by Tony Stark, aka Iron Man.
0: Mm, the Irony Man.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is they split up they they a divide happens yes. divided we fall I oh. believe the tagline for the film was yes we
0: talk about taglines now so That's AJ. The only marvel
1: one we'll talk about
0: <laughs> <this>. <laughs> what do you reckon this has on Rotty T uh 95
1: 91
0: 91 which makes it the sixth highest marvel mm. marvel film And uh, where did you rank this in your original ranking? In my original ranking,
1: I ranked this 15th, quite low, to to be honest. Um, That was actually below The Incredible Hulk, just for all those who want to be angry at me. That is very low. Um, Did you you, you hate this film? We are getting to the point now where older episodes of the podcast are being antiquated or, or outdated because- uh, there is an episode of this podcast. The I believe it was the most disappointing films of 2016, uh, where I declared Civil War to be a disappointing film. I don't know if I said it was my most disappointing, but I remember saying that I was, you know, now that some time had passed, um, I wasn't, I wasn't too keen on it anymore.
0: Has your opinion changed?
1: Yes, my opinion has changed. Okay, what is
0: it now? You think it's even more disappointing?
1: Y- hell yeah! No, <laughs> um, I have now ranked it. Wow, I've ranked it fourth in my current <laughs> <laughs> redo. I don't, um, as, as I said before, this could change by the end of phase three. But currently it is fourth behind Avengers, Iron Man, and what is sure to be my most controversial placing, Iron Man 3. Um, so I put it above the Winter Soldier, which I didn't think I was going to do. Among other movies, I didn't think I was going to put it above.
0: Do you still stand by that? Because that, you seem surprised that you had it as fourth.
1: Yeah, no, I d- it's not until you see it that it really sinks in that you've put it fourth.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, my ranking actually has this third.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And so that's an overall ranking wow. that I've stood and by. And
1: therefore more uh, accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so, yeah. We rank this pretty high. Mm. Pretty couple of high boys here. This
1: is so yeah. This is a a very important movie for the MCU. And if you look at it, like I I, I reckon, um, what were they? I thought what do you reckon, I, I mate. Tell before. me, Iron Man two, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and Captain America: Civil War all fit into this category of the MCU of like, um, I don't want to use the word filler, but there's a lot of stuff in them that is dutifully setting up the universe as opposed to the film as as a single entity um and this is the only one of the three where i think it is a better film for doing that yeah
0: sweet uh so because you you and i have both read the civil war comic haven't we
1: years and years ago i i don't remember too much about it well I, i remember thinking that um there's a a partner where spider-man takes off his mask on live tv and he says my name is peter Parker and i've been spider-man since i was 15 years old and i remember thinking that was the coolest little part of that that graphic novel and when spider-man was announced to appear in civil war i remember being kind of bummed out because i was like when you know we're not going to get the same movie he appears and be the one where he reveals his identity to everyone so
0: yeah so I have, I've read the comic book. I read it uh, last year, sometime, uh, I, and also a few years before that. Uh, if you want to know my thoughts on mm-hmm. the Civil War comic uh, storyline, check out Inks and Issues, uh, another podcast with my friend Kieran and Jonah. And I did a review of Civil War on there. We go wow. through issue by issue. So if you want to know a little bit more about what it's about and what it uh, and yeah, what we thought of it, check that out.
1: And if you want to know what I thought of the Civil War graphic novel, you can just keep listening to this podcast, baby, because I didn't think it was very good. Yeah, no, it's not very good. And no,
0: (laughs) it's considered quite bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, but a cool concept that was poorly executed. Yeah, yeah. I remember becoming aware of Civil War, the graphic novel um, after Avengers 1, and I read a blog that was saying that Avengers 2 should be Civil War. And that's how I found out about it. And that's why I eventually read it. Um, leading up, and this was before Captain America announced the third one would be Civil War as well.
0: Yeah, there was a guy in my the course I was doing in 2011 and 12 who would like tell us about comic book storylines, mm. and he'd like tell everyone about them. We were all like sitting around intently. No one really liked him that much, um, but we liked his story times.
1: <laughs> I hope he's listening.
0: Nah, no way. He hates me. I think. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah the the, the differences between the, sto- Cause the story because the storyline and the comics is like uh there, there's a sort of they're like the young avengers and they're doing like a prank show kind of thing and then one of them accidentally blows up a skill and mm. so there's a group of parents band together and are like, we need superhero registration, which is superheroes need to reveal their true identities and basically sort of uh, register themselves with the government. Yeah. Which is sort of carried over into the film. The film is, uh, uses a thing called the Sokovia Accords rather than the Superhero Registration Act. Sokovia being a reference to the end of Age of Ultron when um, this whole city was destroyed.
1: Yeah. And. So yeah, we and 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 much the way that Age of Ultron um blatantly ignored all of phase 2. I feel like Civil War is a very well put together retcon of um of that because in this movie we acknowledge uh, the previous Avengers movie. Um there is even a reference to something we complained about when watching Avengers Age of Ultron. There is a reference to Tony you know bowing out at the end of iron man 3 and coming back for ultron Mm. like i can't remember exactly what it is but it was at least alluded to and i wonder if that's the russo brothers like head and hands like very ashamedly shamefully like cleaning up joss whedon's mess (laughs) you know because it feels like it's it's placed in there for a specific reason
0: yeah and also because a lot of phase two sort of one of my complaints about age of ultron it was sort of uh, emblematic of phase two as the stakes kept on getting raised that it was all these world ending kind of stakes so it's like you know thor the dark world is like oh the the convergence he's going to destroy all the nine realms and then uh, Winter Soldiers, like everyone is going to get killed, and it just just doesn't happen in the nick of time. And then Age of Ultron obviously has Sokovia, and then that's why like Ant Man scaled it back, and it's it's not the world's going to end. It's his daughter might get hurt, and then the S- Civil War's kind of a response to that. So all of Phase Two is about uh, the world's and hangs in the balance, and then Civil War's about well, how does the world feel about that? Yeah. And so yeah that was really mm. it's it's a cool question to ask and I think the movie is definitely better than the comic. Oh no question. So <laughs> the 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 thing one of the things kept over from the comic is that it's team cap and team iron man. Yeah. In the comics so Iron Man uh it starts to become basically just straight up evil. So people that refuse to register themselves with the government for whatever reason um tony without trial chucks them in uh it's like project 42 it's like a prison that's in the negative zone so that's it's in another dimension and they're basically trapped there without trial uh without due process until they agree to switch to his side so it's effectively a form of torture yeah and then he also starts recruiting supervillains to try and Turn superheroes to his side. And then uh Spider-Man finds out about this, disagrees with them, so um Tony beats Spider-Man within an inch of his life, and then the Punisher finds him. Yeah, no, it's stupid. And then the Punisher finds Spider-Man, carries him back to Captain America, and then there's quite a cool scene as well where uh the Punisher like kills some two-bit villain and the caps, like, we don't kill, and then he's and he's like that he says a fight with Punisher, and he's like, "Fight me back, you coward!" And then Punisher's like, "Not against you, because like even though the Punisher's like this real gritty dude, he won't fight Captain America, yeah, because he's a soldier and he respects him too much." Yeah, and then also the other stupid thing that happens in, in Civil War, so it's like a seven-part comic, and then it has like an epilogue where Captain America's killed, and it's like that should be the end of Civil War, not the Iron. By the way, yeah, um, they'll be like killing a main character off in a post-credit scene.
1: One of my so one of my kind of um struggles with civil war because we've been talking about this off pod for for a week or so now and one of my struggles with it is is this and i guess we're going to get more into whose side are you on um and i i i theorize the reason iron man becomes such a villain in the civil war comic is because fundamentally i feel like he's right if you were to tell me the basis of each argument I think Iron Man's right.
0: What well, and also, uh, if you were to tell me the, if you were just to tell me like, oh, so one is thinks that people should register and be part of the government, the other one thinks that superheroes should be able to do whatever they want. You'd think that Captain America is the one that sides with the government.
1: Ab- absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I yeah, I'm. It's it's a. I don't want to be mean. <laughs> and I'll get to the film. I'm talking about sort of like the just the premise at the moment. Yeah. I really don't understand what the what's wrong with so I think I think superheroes being registered to the government is a very reasonable thing to ask of them. <laughs> you yeah, know? Sure. I, I don't think it's too out there. Um and what the movie does way better than the comic, is they bring in Bucky, the Winter Soldier, Barnes, and <laughs> the movie isn't really about that debate anymore. The movie is about the convenient exception to the rule of that being a good idea. The movie is about why um, why Cap doesn't think they should be registered, yeah. essentially. Like, it's, it's, the, it's the almost straw man, and this sounds like I'm critiquing it, I'm not, but it's the almost straw man perfect scenario where them being registered to the government is a bad thing, and it happens just as it's being finalized as well. Yeah, yeah, video.
0: yeah. I get what you. Mean it's it's not like ugh. It's more like yeah, they've crafted the story in a way so that Cap side is sort of stronger. But yeah, there's an interesting thing. Like, so I was like you reading the comic, I was like, well, Captain, uh, sorry, Iron Man's obviously right. But then by the end of it, you're like, okay, this is actually just going too far. And uh, watching the film, I think. For me, it's kind of like a weird, like, Yanny Laurel situation <laughs> or, like, um, like the dress or that gif of a ballerina that spins one way or the other way. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you can only see one each time, mm. um, but you can kind of switch, between, but you can make yourself switch between them. Because I've seen Civil War maybe, like, four or five times. And every time I watch it, I feel like I switch sides. First time I watched it, I was, like... Team Team Iron Man for sure. And then I think maybe the second time as well. But then one time I watched I remember I watched it like last year, and there was, I was just fully on Captain America's side. It was the first time I think I really brought it bought into the Cap Bucky relationship because a lot of Cap's storyline requires you to care about his relationship with Bucky as much as he does. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you don't understand what he's doing. If you just like, just, just get over it. Like the, yeah. he's a murderer. And then one time I watched it, I was like, wow, like so invested. And I was like, Iron Man, what are you doing? Like Bucky's innocent and all this stuff. And so, and, mm. and I was really torn up at the end of the film. And I think that was when I was like, oh, actually this, I do really, really like this film because I think I, while I did enjoy the film and I still ranked it very high, I was a little bit disappointed by it. And I think maybe it's like when I first saw it, I mean that, I think it came from that sort of, I was expecting this to be my favorite one. And also this was the one I remember the most kind of room, maybe Age of Ultron as well, but this is the one I remember the most uh, rumors floating around. There was very much like, you know, tallies and bets of which characters going to die. And it was pretty certain that Captain America was going to die. Like everyone oh, yeah. was like, it's the end of his trilogy. He's got to be out. Um, he dies at the end of the Civil War storyline. And so, um, yeah, that was really interesting. And then there was like all these theories about who like, uh, Martin Freeman's character could be. And then Mm. like, no one dies. Oh,
1: my, my favorite theory was that Martin Freeman was going to be the, the father whose son was killed in the, Mm. in Sokovia. Yeah. I thought when I read that, I was like, I I would love to see Martin Freeman in that role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Playing the (laughs) the grieving father. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think. But the 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 thing about Iron Man's storyline and this as well is that it still plays on his like PTSD, Mm, um, because it's like I really like the scene when he first meets the the mother of the boy who died in Sokovia, and she goes to pull out a photo, and he like freaks out and grabs her hand because he thinks she's pulling out a gun. Yeah, and it's just like this this little moment that you don't really see of Tony where he's like actually on edge his entire life. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Despite you know this cocky persona he's actually terrified yeah no Um, and i think the russos have done a great job with iron man and -hmm. i think because they've they've sort of allowed they've gotten to do this three-story arc between civil war infinity war and endgame presumably um and yeah i think they've done a really good job because iron man was like i think they sort of wrote iron man 3 as like this is the end of it. And then they just brought him back in Age of Ultron. He didn't have a lot to do. He kind of acted against what I thought his character would do in Age well, of Ultron. I, I,
1: think, I think that's an interesting thing to say. Because if anything, the way that Tony acts in Civil War is a full turnaround from where he is in Iron Man 2. Because in, Iron Man 2 and Civil War actually have pretty similar Mm. plots jumping off points right like in Iron Man 2 he says I've I've successfully privatized world peace because he doesn't want the government to own his suits and by Civil War he's he doesn't specifically want the government to own his suits but he wants to be registered with the government and you could see that as depending on how you look at that maybe that's um, inconsistent character design or maybe that's character development
0: you know yeah well I mean because you think about like the Battle of New York which which he says changed everything yeah. happened between iron man 2 and and all the other films yeah. um but yeah no, I, I really like iron man's character arc in this film i saw an interesting thing that talked about how captain america doesn't have an arc in this film what do you think of that
1: yeah um but that's not as bad as it sounds for a character to not have an arc in a film mm.
0: Be- because i guess this whole thing and it's it's a famous captain america line from the comics uh but sharon carter delivers it in this film where um she talks about like it's your job to stand firmly in the ground and say, No, you move when people are telling you to when you believe in something truly and people are telling you you're wrong. You well, know? that's his arc, and that, that's his arc is, is yeah. staying exactly yeah. true to himself yeah. and never flinching. Yeah,
1: ev- even when like, um, uh, when Rhodey fake out dies, you know, it's yeah. like this is this is what it's about um i don't know if we fully explained do you want to you probably explained a bit to me do you want to kind of outline what the bucky storyline is in this yeah maybe okay. because so, we, we didn't really explain it and i feel like we're touting important. it as as yeah. the thing that that saves this movie from being as doomed <laughs> as the comic
0: yeah so bucky is on the run uh from the end of winter soldier he's been trying to learn about himself and he's kind of getting better And then the UN is bombed. It kills uh, King T'Chaka of Wakanda and um, Bucky's framed for it. And it's Mm. essentially to pull him out of hiding. Yeah. And so uh, this is all the work of uh, Helmut Zemo, who Mm. is played by Daniel Brühl. And basically he knows that Bucky, when he was under mind control, killed Tony Stark's parents and yeah. so he wants he knows that Cap is going to defend him no matter what and he wants Tony to find out about this and I, I love that that's the villain's plan
1: oh, that, yeah that's what I wanted to say as well is that um, he kind of has a little mini monologue he tells it to Black Panther at the end of the who's who makes his debut in this film by yeah. the way um, and he's he basically says he's angry so okay let's dissect this Zemo's, <laughs> Zemo's evil villain scheme is that his family died in Sokovia. So he wants revenge on the Avengers. You tell me that I'm like, fucking hell Marvel, like (laughs) create a better motivation. And while his motivation isn't particularly interesting or like nuanced or, or different, the way he goes about it is extremely interesting. And that's why he, I think should maybe be mentioned more in the Marvel villain conversation as being an example of a good one where, where it's not the motivation that's original, but it's his way of going about exacting that motivation, enacting that motivation that um, is the interesting thing. Because yeah. he's not going to fight them one on one like someone like Ultron would. He's going to make implode them fight each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because he talks about like an empire that's, um, you know, taken down from within, yeah. that's, that's taken down permanently. Yeah. And I mean, it works. Yeah. He wins. He completely wins. The the, the Avengers break up. Yeah. Tony uh, Cap like extends a, a an olive branch at the end of the film, to Tony. But I mean, yeah, he he completely did what he set out to do. Mm-hmm. He's also the first non superpowered villain in the MCU. Managed cool. to do this all without superpowers. Uh, technically, the first one in the MCU was uh, Wilson Fisk and Daredevil, but in the movies anyway. it's was
1: what well, is that set before Civil War? Uh,
0: well, no, I mean the the. the TV show came out before.
1: All right. Uh, Wilson Fisk is superhuman. He's huge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) They totally count. It's
0: it's just Vincent D'Onofrio, though. Yeah. He's just a big guy. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about- Do you remember um, finding out about this film?
1: Yeah, it was at, like, a Comic-Con or something, right? Yeah,
0: well, they, they just did, like, a big press event where they announced their Phase 3 slate. And so they were like, oh, cool, coming up next we've got um, Captain America Serpent Society. And then uh, after that we've got, and then they just kept going. And then they're like, so this is the whole slate of Phase 3. And it was, like, 10 films, including, like, Inhumans <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> uh, between, which was supposed to come after Infinity War Part 2, which is what it was back then. Yeah. Um, and then Feige's like, oh, I don't like that Serpent Society title. So they like played the clip from Age of Ultron where Tony and Cat like disagree with each other while chopping wood. And then the title Captain America Civil War comes up and the, the house went nuts. And they were like, This is, we're going to introduce Black Panther, who at the time I guess was kind of fulfilling Spider Man's role in the comic where it's mm. like he's kind of on both sides. But then Spider Man ended up being in the film. We got the Spider Man deal through Sony. Yeah. And. Yeah, but um, interestingly, I was reading about this today, Um, so Robert Downey Jr. was announced to star in Captain America 3 just before this big press event. I remember that being announced, and everyone's like, oh my god, they're they're probably doing Civil War. But if they hadn't been able to get Robert Downey Jr., uh, they would have adapted the Mad Bomb storyline which is uh, which actually ended up being used in season one of Agent Carter, the TV show. Um, but so it would have still had so Zemo as the villain. He would have detonate, detonated the mad bomb, which turns horde of, hordes of people into berserkers, which would present a physical threat to Cap, while still having some of the heroes be affected by it, so he would have to fight other heroes, which keeps the emotional component.
1: Yeah. Sounds pretty un-Captain America. Yeah. Like, the Captain America movies, is really interesting for me because- I have more external reactions to something like um, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies or um, Iron Man. And yet Civil War and The Winter Soldier are my fourth and fifth favorite (laughs) movies so far. And I think that's because I I reflect on and understand that they're more important stories, I guess. Especially for the, the good of the MCU. Um, So, I I don't want to see Captain America fight a horde of zombies. That's that's not something that happens in a Captain America movie.
0: Yeah. Now, AJ. Yeah. Can we please talk about the fucking bicep scene? Go, please. (laughs) There's a scene in this film... Cap is chasing after Bucky, who's leaving in a helicopter, and he grabs the rung of the helicopter, and then grabs the helipad, and then he's, like, holding them with, like, an overhand grip, and then he switches to, like, a curl grip on one arm, and fucking hell, he's got the biggest biceps. That was, like, after I saw the film, the next day I was like, holy shit, this one scene with Cap's bicep, and I think it's the photo I posted on Instagram. Hmm for Captain America Civil War. Um,
1: I remember laughing because of how absurd it was. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> it's so huge. Uh, and it's like, apparently, apparently, this is a coin to I um, that scene almost didn't happen because the costume department fucked up and, and it gave him a jacket that day. And then they made him go change into a t-shirt so they could do the bicep scene. <laughs> and apparently, like in the script, it says like zoom in on his biceps, and it's like all the, everyone was talking about the bicep <laughs> scene. And so he like he um would like pump iron before shooting that scene. He was just like constantly doing bicep curls to like really get it beefed up. Yeah. And he said he 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 did it a little bit on Age of Ultron, but no one else was doing it. <laughs> And then um, he did on Civil War, Anthony Mackey's just like in between scenes like, yeah, fucking who cares? I'm Anthony Mackie and I'm confident as shit. So he would like do it. So that's the result of him like pumping iron for like six hours <laughs> just before shooting that scene. And he actually like, like injured his arms shooting it. But my God, is it worth it? <laughs> and um, Tom Hiddleston said, uh, he, like he doesn't appear in the film, but he said that uh, this film contains one of his favorite moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the helicopter scene. Yeah. He said, I mean, Chris Evans does a bicep girl with a helicopter. If you don't love that, we can't be friends. Yeah, I agreed.
1: <laughs> and I don't want to be your friend, anyone. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah.
0: Um, and so th- this film also as well uh, was the fourth MCU film to gross over a billion dollars. And it means Black Panther hasn't been in a film that's grossed less than a billion dollars.
1: Very good. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so civil war, um yes or no, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, no, it is it is really good, and I think, yeah, for the the bicep scene alone, but also um, and there's also yeah. the scene where
0: Bucky um someone's riding a motorcycle, and Bucky like grabs the handle, flips it around, and jumps on it, and takes off in the other direction, yeah, and I that was done that. practically as well.
1: How do they do that practically?
0: They just grab, he, They got Bucky to grab the handle, flip it around and jump on it and drive the other way.
1: Amazing. <laughs> Incredible.
0: Oh, so, yeah, so this is the first appearance of both Spider-Man and um, Black Panther as well.
1: That, yeah, that's what I'm saying about it being that category of Marvel Yeah, it feels
0: real set-uppy, but it, it's executed so well. Yeah,
1: it's executed so well. It's crazy, and, and Yeah. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. I feel I feel like I have to talk about it and think about it to remember how much I like it because I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 last night and in on, inside I was like surely I I didn't enjoy Civil War as much as I'm enjoying this. <laughs> and then I was like then I had to think about it and be like, "Nah, but I think I I think Civil War means more to me." Yeah, fair. and I think this is a, this is a cool place to take the story to to have have a, a civil war, have a divide happen between the characters. I think that's a very natural um, thing that would happen, especially yeah. with And, these and also, it,
0: it best sets up the question: Oh, why not they just call the other Avengers?
1: Yeah, but maybe a bit too late to set that up. But
0: no, but like I mean, for the rest of Phase Three, yeah, like. Yeah. We've now got like, I mean, phase three does a lot of like new characters because I guess next you have Doctor Strange, he doesn't know any of them, the Guardians, who so are taking place somewhere else. Then you've got Spider Man, who does interact with Tony Stark. Mm. And then you've got Thor, who has the Hulk. And then you've yep. got Black Panther, who's like on a separate adventure. Then Infinity War brings them all back together. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, so, next up, we had Doctor Strange. Oh, Docto. The Doc. No, L. Doctor. <laughs> Uh, so that came in 2016 as well. Uh, that was directed by Scott Derrickson, mm-hmm. and uh, what's that about, Monami?
1: Okay, uh, mon you? Um, In the film, this is again just ripped from Wikipedia. In the film, <laughs> in the film, former surgeon Stephen Strange learns the mystic arts of career-ending uh, after a career-ending car accident. <laughs> he uses the he learns the mystic arts of a career-ending car accident. <laughs> he learns how to do it. Um yeah, so he, he's a he's a really good doctor. He gets in a car crash and he he fucks up his hands, which he loved, he loved his hands. So he goes to where's he cat man do to learn mystical powers and ends up saving the world from an extra-dimensional interdimensional evil. Um yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about, right? <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, yeah. on my original ranking, I ranked this um twelfth. So that was after where, I, <laughs> after where I'd originally ranked The Winter Soldier and before Iron Man 2. Um, and nice. now I've ranked it 10th, but there are less films and it's actually lower. So now it's lower than Iron Man 2 um, and Ant-Man, um, both of which it was higher than in my original ranking. Um, it's above Captain America The First Avenger. I This is the worst good Marvel film.
0: <laughs> yeah so I've I ranked it 17th overall what are you reckon it has on Rod Tomatoes just quickly uh,
1: I probably remember we're getting into I remember seeing these vividly now yeah um, <laughs> uh, probably like 80 something like that 89 89 that's so, so, so high man yeah well because it's interesting because yeah
0: this one I think is probably the one that suffers the most oh, yeah on, on rewatch because I remember we, we went to go see this one together actually yeah, yeah. this was this is the one first
1: of, one <laughs> this is yeah
0: yeah um we we i liked um, it i remember thinking you, you i remember you loved it I- you were going on about it for months afterwards <laughs> not months, going on about really. oh my god like you just would not shut up about I it because thought- we, we lived together at the time and it was like every day day and night you'd be knocking on my door and be like richard let's talk about dr strange some more and I'd be like hey aj it's 5 in the morning and it's 2018 it's been 2 years <laughs> um but, yeah, no, I mean, we can talk about it more now. I mean, I think I've heard kind of all your opinions about it.
1: Well, get, strap in, dude, because they've all changed.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, because you, I remember, were like, this is this is the future of the MCU.
1: And I think that could still be accurate. Yeah, but I, th- I think it's like
0: it creates the illusion of doing something new.
1: For sure, and I fucking and, and, fell for that illusion.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it's very – and, I mean, illusion's very appropriate as well. But I think – Especially the character of Doctor Strange is used a lot more interestingly, both in Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War. Mm. But yeah, he is just like a discount Tony Stark. Yeah,
1: and I don't know, man. I remember thinking so. The the most, I, I guess, the most significant thing this film does is it introduces introduces like proper magic into the MCU.
0: Yeah, because Asgard is is referred to as just having like super advanced technology. And yeah. yeah, this is this is straight up magic. Yeah,
1: and and I remember thinking it was really funny. I remember telling people that I was like, "It's like the funniest MCU film." Like,
0: just because they had that one joke, he like. it's
1: got a real good joke in it. When um, Cacilius, uh, played by the horribly wasted on this movie Mads Mikkelsen, <laughs> um, yeah. he talks to, meets Doctor Strange for the first time, and he's like, "Tell me, Mister," and he's like, "Doctor, Mister Doctor," and he's like, "No, it's Strange." And he goes, hmm, "Perhaps." <laughs> It's such a good little exchange Perhaps,
0: who am I to judge
1: <laughs> it's such a good and then he calls him Mr Doctor later on as well. it's such a good because the character takes himself so seriously and now he's yeah. looking so silly um, so I, I really like that uh, but I don't remember watching it now I was like what did I think was funny about the rest of the movie <laughs> I don't remember what I thought was that that funny about it it
0: was just that one bit I remember, I remember you loved that. oh come
1: on it's a good bit
0: no, it is. I loved it too, <laughs> but I just remember you going on about it for months. <laughs> um, no, it was yeah. It, like it's still a good movie, and like you say, it's 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 the worst of the good movies. And yes, like I like I say, I ranked the seventeenth. So it was one of those ones that it's not till I'm actually ranking them that I'm like, it's actually not that good. Mm. Like we're realizing all the ones I easily put above it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I I'll say this for it. Its third act is real good. Its third act is awesome. But it I just never remember that when when I'm thinking of the movie now. Even now that we're talking yeah. about it, I was like, oh yeah, I really like the third act of this movie. So it, yeah. it it gets it gets really interesting and they start playing with the mechanics they've been setting up, like all the all the magic they've been setting up for the whole movie and not really utilizing. Yeah. And I just yeah the 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 um, Dormammu fight scene is fantastic that I've I've come to bargain kind of thing and, yeah. and the way they show like time travel or you know controlling time relative to a secluded space as well like he can rewind time on a city being destroyed but he can unfreeze like one of his friends from being rewound so that they're in the present and so it's very yeah. very interesting stuff as as sort of what I'm getting at yeah. Well, I mean, he's got
0: the bloody time stone, don't yeah.
1: he? Yeah. And I think in a similar way to um, Ant-Man, Ant-Man was like, yeah, it's about shrinking and about the quantum zone and then didn't really lean into that enough. I think Doctor Strange is like, yeah, it's about interdimensional travel, but it doesn't really lean into it enough. Sure. You know? Because that third that Dormami stuff was written by Dan Harmon as well, right?
0: Well, not necessarily. We don't know that for sure. Okay. He... he, he Helped out, he did some unpo- un what's it, uncredited script. It's
1: got to be that scene, right? Because that's the most I, entertaining part of the I movie. I actually
0: think he's confirmed that wasn't him.
1: Really? Wow, that's if anything, yeah. It feels like the movie's just got one one thing up its sleeve, and it's that scene. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it, it is interesting because the, the the this movie and the one before and the ones before and after it, sort of play really interestingly with the idea of like a villain and what they can do because uh, the villain in Civil War, as we said, just wants to put the two against each other. And also it teases a third act saying there's, you think I'm the only winter soldier and there's like four or five other winter soldiers and they're gearing up for a big battle against them. And then they're all dead by the time they get there. And, this one it's like oh we're going to have this big battle but then it's just i'm going to annoy the bad guy into submission i do and then like then we'll that talk though. about <laughs> yeah no no it's no it's great i'm saying this right, is a good yeah, thing yeah. it's not just a big i mean it is a big cgi hmm. fight but it's not like a just a punt, punching battle and um it's
1: also a really good character arc to have the character yeah. essentially dr strange essentially is prepared to sacrifice himself in a in a time loop for eternity. We I feel like we're not explaining stuff well enough for this episode. Yeah. He he basically corners this interdimensional evil and traps him in a time loop so that the, the Dormammu can kill Doctor Strange as many times as he wants, but because it's a time loop, he keeps coming back and saying he wants to bargain and so he says he'll let him free if he leaves and he does. It's yeah, good. So
0: like he, he traps Dormammu in a time loop having to kill him over and over again. Yeah.
1: It's good. It's real good. It's so good. And the rest of the movie is so boring. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, do you know, this isn't... We could have got uh, quite a few different Doctor Strange movies throughout the years. Uh, So the first Doctor Strange script uh, was written and it's dated January 21st, 1986.
1: A day before my birthday and six years before I was born.
0: (laughs) It's not a day before your birthday.
1: What did you say? January 21st. I thought it was June.
0: Uh, well, anyway, it was written by Bob oh, Gale. my
1: birthday. Bob Gale! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From uh, Futurama. No, Futurama. Back to the, back, the back to the future. Back
0: to the Futurama. <laughs> um, but it never went into production. So they wrote another script, and that was almost made, but it wasn't. Um, and then Wiz Craven signed on to make it in the late 90s. Weird. And uh, then Neil Gaiman and uh, Guillermo del Toro pitched a Doctor Strange movie to Marvel in 2007, and Marvel rejected it.
1: So is this um, our third franchise in which one of the films was or was or w- was going to be directed by Wes Craven? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's also our second franchise which features a Doctor Strange reference and a film directed by Scott Derrickson. What? A, <laughs> because the, there was a bunch of Doctor Strange references in Hellraiser because one of the directors was a fan.
1: Yes, and he. Directed Doctor Strange. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, no, it was a different director. That was a fan. I think. <laughs> really. Yeah.
1: So it has two ties to Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah.
0: um And so while while it was being thrown around, Patrick Dempsey like lobbied to play Doctor Strange. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. He's actually too, not not too. No, bad it's not a it. bad choice.
0: Yeah. Um. He's got the you know the cocky handsome doctor look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, apparently Marvel and Scott Derrickson wanted Benedict Cumberbatch from early on, uh, but there was uh, like um, scheduling conflicts and then the movie was delayed slightly and that freed up Benedict Cumberbatch. But in the time between that, uh, Tom Hardy and Jared Leto were both looked at. Mm.
1: Tom Um, Hardy? I actually kind of get Jared Leto way more than Tom Hardy. Yeah,
0: yeah, hard up. Ryan Gosling had discussions about playing him.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And um, Joaquin Phoenix entered talks to play the character, was the but eventually, yeah. yeah, eventually, like walked because he um, he didn't want to commit to a multi-picture deal and and didn't want to do that kind of movie unless he was able to really focus on the character. Um, but the shortlist that was announced was Jared Leto, Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaac, Ewan McGregor, Matthew McConaughey, Jake Gyllenhaal, Colin Farrell, and Keanu Reeves.
1: There's a lot of big names, aren't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like this is one where they're fully just going for an A-lister.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, or yeah. any of those, I would have liked to see. Played. I do,
1: I do like Benedict Cumberbatch better though.
0: Yeah, I, I his voice. Every time I watch this film, his accent takes me a while to get into. Not right. like in Infinity War and Ragnarok, I can just buy straight into it. But <laughs> there's a lot. I, I think his accent isn't great. I remember watching the trailer the first time, and I was like, he just he trying to sound like House. Yeah, he does sound like House. Yeah cool this is an interesting fact that's not for our podcast and i'm sure you're already aware of this but this is the fourth film where rachel mcadams plays the love interest of someone who can either travel through or manipulate time uh the other ones are time travel's wife midnight in paris and about time uh and none of them does she travel through time
1: and none of those films are what you would think are a traditional time travel film either
0: yeah true
1: yeah um and also technically she's not really the love interest in midnight in paris well,
0: yeah, I guess. She's
1: the love wife, but yeah. it's about him hating his wife. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of Rachel McAdams, there's a scene I hate in this film. Um,
0: Do tell.
1: That where, uh, thank you, I will. Um, where uh, Stephen Strange, ret- and this is going to, I'm wanting this to open the door to a wider conversation, but I'll start with this. Um, Doctor Strange returns from, where is he, where is Do, whatever it's called? Karmatage. Um, Karmatage. Um, he yeah. <laughs> he returns and he's he's been shot and he 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 used to be a doctor and and um and Christine, who's played by Rachel McAdams, was his nurse and he like runs into. They presumably haven't seen each other for like a year or so and then yeah. she's like fixing him up and he f- I think he starts flatlining so he astral projects because he's learned how to do that um, and he does that and makes himself uh see she she sees him and her reaction to seeing the first like a nurses a a woman of science her first reaction to seeing the only example of like something supernatural yeah, in so her whole a ghost life. essentially a yeah. ghost is like ah and then she's on board and at the t- I remember watching this movie at the time and being like that would change your fucking life. And you're just <laughs> like, they need, I think they needed to rejig that scene so it's not the, him introducing magic to her and also needing her to save his life aren't happening at the same time. I think they needed to be, do one first, do, do, yeah. introducing her to magic first and then save his life second. Um, anyway, uh, very similar to my complaints about, um, No one caring about going to space and other Avengers movies, but the other thing I wanted to say is that I think the biggest script doctoring I could do.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Script
1: doctoring. Nando
0: V movies over here. Yeah.
1: Um, I think this came from when I was watching this, and so he goes to Carmitage and he talks to Tilda Swinton, and she just she shows him magic. And he learns it pretty fast. Um, first of all, I don't know why the Ancient One, Tilda Swinton's character, or any of the people who work at work, at live, <laughs> practice at Carmitage, would, for any reason, think that this arrogant asshole is worthy of this power. Like yeah. he doesn't earn their favor. He doesn't. He comes in and makes fun of them, and then to to like almost to like prove him wrong.
0: Yeah, she flexes
1: on him. Yeah, she flexes on him, and that's what starts him. And I I don't think he, they would think he's worthy. I think they would cast him out and not welcome him back in. And then he learns it real fast. Like it's a it's an indeterminate amount of time. We don't find out yeah. how long he's there for. And that's what I would change. I reckon we we make we, we start this movie in the early two thousands, and then it ends in present day. I reckon he's been a calm, I reckon the karmatage sequence should be like over a decade long.
0: I know yeah, that that's a like huge the-
1: fundamental change, but that is what yeah. I think would need to for me to believe that this dude has gone like in 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 one. Th- foul montage swoop from like a strict non-believer in the mystical to someone who can wield it better than people who have been practicing it their whole lives i think we needed like a legitimate time yeah pass, and, i mean
0: we we see him study astral projection studying at, yeah. at night and it's like oh that's how he did it but yeah i think this this movie one of my biggest flaws with it is that yeah it doesn't portray the passage of time very well which another chiwetel eg4 movie i thought uh another another chiwetel eg4 and benedict cumberbatch movie actually mm-hmm. um i thought didn't do too well which was 12 years a slave it's in the title yeah, no, that's the thing. Is that like if if you hadn't told me the title of that film, I'd be like, man, what a horrible few months he had.
1: <laughs> twelve, twelve years of Doctor Strange.
0: Yeah, like it should be, and also the same thing again with the Dormammu time loop. We only see like half a dozen loops and so we're just like oh man Dormammu gave up easily they needed to show that that was like 10,000 years
1: and and, but the thing is the Doctor Strange who's been studying the mystic arts for a year or so it doesn't explain it but I'm judging it on how he and Rachel McAdams interact when they see each other after he leaves because it's not that's that's a that's a year at most without seeing each other
0: yeah because it's like oh you've been away you've been on holiday it's not I, no one's heard from you yeah, in a decade. Yeah. I thought you were dead.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't think the Doctor Strange we have in the film would be able to handle. He's too weak to handle ten thousand years. But a Doctor Strange who has been committed to this for give me twelve years. Twelve years of Doctor Strange. Yeah. That that guy could commit to ten thousand years of being in a loop.
0: Yeah. Even just in, like and I I th- I mean I think maybe this is if you look really hard in the film, but. Uh, like, because Doctor Strange has those famous, iconic sort of um, white streaks mm-hmm. on the, either side. C- give him those after the time loop. Yeah, man. And so it's like he's actually been uh, there for a long time. Very
1: good, very cool.
0: And, and like, make make a point of it. Yeah, like like that. He's he's changed, and and then he's like, and they're like, oh man, you have to dye those. And he's like, no, I quite like it. You know, yeah. like that's such a Marvel thing to do as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that I reckon that would have transformed this movie. It needed to be be have a much longer passage of time it needed to have a bit more interesting of a main villain in Cassilius. um mm.
0: i I, yeah. I like uh watching it again i think i picked up a lot more on Cassilius thing and um it's interesting really like mads mickelson like i turned down a few roles in marvel and he's like oh, i did this because i really wanted to like you know talk about the villain and like get into his his mindset and stuff like that and i was like oh, you, i don't think you really did a great job dude yeah. but like it's interesting though that the villain is like he more just wants to expose the ancient one. Who's been drawing on the dark dimension to extend her life, her lifespan, which is a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. It essentially makes you evil. Yeah. And so a lot of Castilius's, uh motivation is just to expose her for what she really is. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's quite a cool thing. Again, it's, it's that playing with what makes a villain and all that kind of stuff. And, and graying the line between good and evil
1: yeah i don't know i'm so annoyed at this movie because it feels like it could have been real good and it's yeah and and doctor
0: strange is another is one of the characters that i would i'd love to have a great movie and i mean i'd love to see some of the 80s movies we could have got of this you know yeah um there is a tv movie from a long long time ago as well but i don't really know anything about it um are you ready for some dumb imdb trivia already yes so um here's one that starts off interesting and gets dumb um so this is what it says prior to his car crash dr strange is receiving information about potential surgery candidates one that dr strange declines is a 35 year old air force colonel crushed his lower spine in some kind of experimental armor hmm this is likely Colonel James Rhodes in his war machine armor, who was accidentally brought down by Vision as he was aiming for for the Falcon during the Captain America Civil War movie. Yeah, just another example of how Marvel Universe movies connect with one another.
1: Just <laughs> that, another like
0: one. that last line, that you, to keep that out of my be trivia. But yeah, this <laughs> is an interesting thing. Like, it's so obviously that, right? Yeah. But they've confirmed it's not. They're oh. like, no, no, he's not referring to Rhodey. It's like, why? <laughs>
1: Oh, I am the little kid and I mentor as Spider-Man. But that's not yeah. Rhodey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Like, like, is there another 35-year-old <laughs> Air Force colonel who's got experimental armour and a Hold crushed on, spine 35? around 2016? I don't think Rhodey's 35. Yeah, no, he's, especially by Infinity War. Man, he looks real old. Mm. Um, but hey, you know that's what being the war machine gets you. And then this is another real weird one. I don't know what it's supposed to mean. As Stephen Strange was preparing the night of his crash, the watch he placed on his wrist read Tuesday, February second, twenty sixteen. The time is five sixteen twenty. Dot dot dot. What's five sixteen
1: twenty?
0: I don't know.
1: If you know what five sixteen twenty is referring to.
0: But yeah, it has dot, dot, dot. There's ellipses. Like,
1: no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that is Doki Strango.
1: So we're moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 now, Richard. Is that correct? Yes. And this has reminded me of another useless piece of trivia statistics.
0: Oh, lay it on me, big boy. Um,
1: Actually, I don't know the number. Shit. This is the, hold on, I can find out because I made a playlist on our YouTube channel. Um, oh okay this is the the mcu in general is our 10th franchise uh to feature a big or not even big just a green monster (laughs) (laughs) and if there are actually two in in the mcu in the mcu if you count um gamora as well as hulk um and so those others are ghostbusters with slimer teenage mutant ninja turtles with the (laughs) teenage mutant ninja turtles shrek with shrek uh the okay it's not 10 because i've got the (laughs) the four godzilla episodes (laughs) in here because godzilla is greenish uh then monsters inc and monsters university and then mask and son of the mask so what our uh fifth if anyway anyway (laughs) Uh, That's yeah, fun.
0: Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Yeah. Um, okay, so this came out in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh came out on Anzac Day here. Um, God bless our troops. And <laughs> it, it was directed by it's written and directed by James Gunn. And this is only one of two movies in the MCU that is written and directed by one person.
1: Mm-hmm, what's the other one?
0: Uh I believe it's Age of Ultron.
1: Iron Man One was written by Shane Black. Um, Iron Man three.
0: Uh you mean? But I think it was Shane Black and someone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whereas this one is like just one person. Uh, let me let me double check that fact while you tell us what it's about.
1: In Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, thank you Wikipedia, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the Guardians travel throughout the cosmos as they help Peter Quill learn more about his mysterious parentage. That's what you're going to give me? All right. That's what the movie's about, apparently.
0: <laughs> um, actually, so uh, the the two Avengers films, the uh, uh, first one and Age of Ultron were both... Joss Whedon written and directed. Ah, I see. So this is the first non Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Because he wrote uh James Gunn wrote the first one with Nicole Perlman. So uh yeah, that's what that's what this one's about. And AJ, what do you reckon this has on Rotty Tees?
1: I reckon it's gonna be criminally low. Um this'll have like criminally low as in like eighty.
0: Eighty four percent. Yeah. So it's the twelfth highest, which places it exactly in the middle, I believe. Right. Roughly. Or well, Slightly just below the middle, actually. On
1: my original ranking, I ranked this 8th. And in my new ranking, I've ranked it 6th. But that, again, I feel yeah. the need to keep explaining that I don't. <laughs> um, um, haven't finished doing the new one yet.
0: Yeah, so uh, I ranked this one tenth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, after watching it again, I was like, no, nah, fuck it. I'm I'm, th- I'm going to move this up. And I ranked it 6th.
1: Wow. Yeah. So Is that higher than some significant films?
0: Uh, so a few that it's higher than. Um, the First Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man Homecoming, wow. Captain America, The First Avenger. Those are the ones that it jumped ahead of.
1: Wow. Interesting. So no- yeah. nothing will beat The First Avengers for me.
0: It's, yeah. it's, okay. t-
1: it's too good for me. Um, it's too so good it's for- not good enough for me. <laughs> uh, I think... This this is probably the one one of the most unfairly treated movies in the MCU. Yeah. Because I would I would almost say in fact I have said this is easily better than the first Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I think it is and and that's not a popular opinion and that is
0: No, this is, this is a classic not as good as the first one yeah, and pe- a lot of people consider it a disappointment.
1: I d- I don't understand so okay. Here is here's the when it comes down to the science of it. If you remember my complaints for Guardians of the Galaxy was that it was like a real unoriginal story but the characters were real cool. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, volume 2 is all those same great characters in a story that's way more interesting. It's mathematically better.
0: Plus a few new cool characters.
1: Yeah, exactly. So look, I really like this movie. I had such a good time watching it. I think it's just hilarious. I think it's it's colorful and interesting. I think this yeah. is Marvel's first real cool villain, like a real interesting villain. Um we talked about Zemo being real interesting, I guess, but like this was the one that like people by the time um H- Homecoming came around, people were yeah. like the you know, this is the 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 first good villain is vulture after loki but i, I, I can't reckon, wait to talk about vulture dude. <laughs> i reckon kurt russell's ego who's the, the ego the living planet one of the big big bads from the comics um i reckon well, he's it, a, it, real just in cool terms drawing. of
0: size yeah. yeah
1: yeah um so yeah look come at me because i what do you think <laughs> uh yeah i i
0: i think i sort of just put like Guardians, I was very much like, yeah, it's good, but the first Guardians is still better, but then actually revisiting them, I fucking love Guardians too. I think the the first act, well, the first half really, because it's, it's this film's really interesting as well because it doesn't really have a villain for the first half. It has kind of minor ones, like there's the High Priestess, Aisha, yeah. And like the ravages, and she's
1: such an alien-looking person, and with such a basic human girl name, Aisha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but oh my god, I'd love Elizabeth Debicki. Mm. Um, catch her next year in Robert Pattons I uh, know Robert, Robert new film. It is Robert Pattinson's new film, but it's directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. So, and then obviously it's revealed that he goes actually the villain, which is incredibly obvious, but he doesn't do anything villainous. Yeah. for the first part of the film.
1: And also, who cares if it's obvious? It's not. There's not like they they trust him to begin with. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: But yeah, the, especially the end of this film, and like the third act of this film. I was like, "Fuck yeah! This is this is the best, some of the best stuff Marvel's ever done." Oh, so- and,
1: and similar to Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like people always talk about the sameness of Marvel, and then halfway through a phase, a Guardians of the Galaxy film was released, and it's this breath of fresh air in terms of f- filmic conversation, right? Because I talked, I talked in Guardians of the Galaxy about how that cool shot when you see Groot like grab the batteries out of the thing while they're talking about it in the foreground. But again, this film is full of stuff. Like that, where it's like... Yeah,
0: and it's actually like... I I would almost say James Gunn's the best director they've had.
1: Yeah, I I might agree with that. Um, Like, at the start of this film... Uh, the the like opening credits is done with Baby Groot dancing in the foreground, with the main fight happening with this big monster in the background. Excellent, A plus. Mm. What a cool way to start a film. What a great way to like deliver on the marketing promise that was Baby Groot. What a great <laughs> way to to reincorporate the music. The the music alone gives this more flavor than your average MCU film. Like this, yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They're not my favorite Marvel movies, but they have so much more style and pizzazz than any of the other ones.
0: And it was, as soon as the first one came out, every film tried to do this. Yes, yeah. Like, Suicide Squad's the most obvious example of trying and absolutely failing to do it. Mm. But, um, yeah, and and you look at something like, Spoilers for Guardians 2, but Yondu's funeral. Now, Yondu, Yondu's not a character I particularly cared about in the first film, and then the second film dives so deep into... Who Yondu is as a person and his relationship with Rocket is beautiful in the way Rocket sees himself and Yondu as kind of like a warning. Well, first of all, as like a warning of what could happen. And then uh, like sort of uh, this here, Yondu has this redemption arc where Rocket sees that maybe it's not too late for him as well to stop pushing everyone away. Mm. And- uh, the you look at something like Yondu's funeral again it's not a character I particularly cared about compare that with uh, Thor's mum's funeral yeah. now you can have a really sad scene like that about a character that's not too important to you you focus on Thor's reaction to it Thor losing his mother you focus on Loki's reaction to it when he finds out that his mother's died and that it's essentially his fault and then even moving forward, spoilers for Infinity War, you look at like Gamora's death or Loki's death or Heimdall's death yeah. or even the the snap at the end of it when half the characters in, in <laughs> the MCU die. And none of those are executed with even a fraction of the emotion that Yondi's funeral has.
1: Oh, it's breathtaking. It's bizarre.
0: We were talking the other day about how- Uh, we were talking off pod the other day about how like what realistically what is the chances that Endgame is going to make you cry like what could happen in it and i said i actually don't think the mcu could make me cry but the yondu's funeral watching even just watching it the other night not even like the first times i've watched it because this is again this is the third or fourth time i've seen it um almost made me cry because it's it's done so well They're, they're focusing on all the right things and can we just talk about the last shot of this film, I fucking love. It's such a peculiar sh- choice for a last shot. And it's because it's it's in the middle of Yondu's funeral. The, the ravages that they thought all hated Yondu show up and, and have this big tribute to him. And Rocket looks up at it and a single tear, rolled, rolls down his cheek. And that's the end of the film.
1: And suddenly it's been Rocket's movie the whole time yeah exactly like it's
0: paying off this this emotional arc that was going through the whole film which is again set up in the first film that that rocket says like you know there's nobody else in the universe like me and yondu feels like an outcast like that as well and Hmm. everything it's so bright and it's so colorful and the reactions all the characters have to it um you know peter quill delivers this monologue um at his funeral about how like yondu actually was a pretty cool dad mm. and you see craglin's reaction who's like his his first mate essentially yeah um and he just like has this real emphatic kind of like it's a little bit like nerdy and uncool but it's like this just this very visceral scream at seeing all the ravages yeah. pay tribute to that, him that, that, that it,
1: might it, be it, my favorite part of the funeral is, is this un, unbridled unabashed like It's not bad acting, but if you did that in real, if someone did that in real life, I would even at a funeral, I'd have a little bit of cringe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what's thing. about
0: it. It it looks like bad acting, but it's it's such perfect acting because it's like this is the first time this character has expressed like pure joy, Mm. almost, and and it looks uncomfortable on him. Yeah, and and I think that's a real testament to Sean Gunn, who's James Gunn's brother. But um, and I he's great in this film as well. I think he's he's quite an underrated character in these films. Yeah, yeah, um. And then when Rocket's like, wow, they all came back for Yondo, even though he did this and he's describing things that he did. Um, And he's realizing, wow, like again, like I said, it's not too late for me. Mm. And it's so powerful. And again, that speaks to the directing of James Gunn.
1: This is James, as far as I'm concerned, this is James Gunn at his very peak, this film.
0: And uh, we've talked, and I've I've sort of talked about some of my favorite MCU moments, and this is probably like my one of my top three yeah. favorite MCU moments. And I'm very we're coming, we're getting closer to my all time favorite MCU moment. Mm. Uh, it's not in this film, but but keep listening. Yeah, um, and yeah like it's weird because i remember liking this film but watching it again the other night and again i have seen it a few times already i was like man i do i fucking love this film um i remember when watching it i think i thought they leaned a bit too hard on the comedy and i remember because again the second mcu film that you and i saw together um when we were walking out someone was like bro Drax owned that film and his friend was story. like and his friend was like oh yeah I don't know if he owned the film but he definitely owned the punchlines
1: <laughs> it was such a funny <laughs> thing to overhear, because that just it sounded what it sounded like is the the guy the second guy it sounded like he didn't he hated the movie <laughs> that's my theory he hated the movie but he didn't want the confrontation of um of like you know telling his friend who's clearly liked the movie that he didn't like it. So he said the most non-committal thing. (laughs) Like, yeah, he owned the punchline. So it's like, what? He told... Jokes, (laughs) jokes <laughs>
0: what because what, it could also be that like he didn't want to let on how much he really liked the film and was affected by like rocket's storyline wow, and yeah, he's like because yeah. uh, in his mind rocket on the film or yondu on yeah. the <laughs> film and then he's like yeah nah like he definitely or he he hated drax's part like he was yeah, like yeah you yeah. owned on the punchlines and they were shit um <laughs> but i just i do just want to talk i mean it's like oh just repeat our favorite jokes on the film but man underrated joke in this film is like at the start when they're talking about um they're they're protecting these batteries from an interdimensional monster and um Drax is just like what are these called again and Quill's like Annie batteries and Drax is just like hubular batteries <laughs> It's just so wrong. And then he keeps calling them harbulary batteries for the rest of the thing. It's like he didn't mishear him. He just made something up in his head. No,
1: Drax definitely owns the (laughs) punchline.
0: No one's disagreeing with that. (laughs) Um,
1: No, yeah, Drax is awesome in in this film. Um, Yeah, I
0: I do think maybe they went a little bit too far with like, because there's like the joke in the first film where they're like, oh, his people are completely literal. Everything goes over his head. And he goes, Nothing goes over my head i'm my reflexes are too fast i would catch it and it's like they kind of went a bit too far with that maybe i think i mean yeah it's debatable
1: so i so i love this film i think it's easily better than the first one um but i do i first of all i'd love to know if you're listening and you're a diehard guardians one purist i'd i'd love to know what your and you fucking have to give me a concise reason. I hate it when people tell you a movie you like is bad and they don't give you any analysis, they just say they don't like it. Tell me why you didn't you think the first one's better. That being said, I do want to take a stab at it myself because okay. well, a stab I, at
0: why the first one's better.
1: No, yeah, 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 that's what I want to take. Well, why a stab the general
0: at. consensus is, yeah,
1: yeah, okay. Um. Okay so I I like the second one as a whole more but I do think the first film is more perfect and more well put together like there's no loose ends and I feel like I feel like the second one it's a sum of its parts versus the whole kind of situation the second one I th- I think almost every storyline in it for me and there's a lot there's a lot of story arcs in this film I feel like a lot of them don't get 100% to completion. I don't think they get to 100% satisfaction. I think you you st- a lot of them, it feels like they're skipping out the middle. Um, I'd say that the most, for me, the only one that I felt had enough screen time for me to completely care about what they're talking about would be Gamora and Nebula, yeah. like their relationship healing. I think that's the only one where I was like, yeah, that was explored enough in the movie. Yeah,
0: well, I'd say Rocket's arc.
1: Rocket, okay, but maybe not rocket compared to Yondu. I don't know if I bought that entirely. Again, none of them are awful. None of them are missing out on on anything drastic. Mm. But it feels like Drag-stick. the the movie may, may the movie maybe needed fifteen minutes more to flesh out something like Peter and Ego for that to complete the to to reach the crescendo it was going for. Like, it feels like there's a scene. Well, yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. It feels like there's a scene missing from the middle of almost every storyline in this film. And it's because there's so many of them, it's not enough to ruin the movie, but it is enough to leave you feeling a bit, like, off kilter, I think.
0: Okay. So not as good as the first one.
1: Not as perfect <laughs> as the first one. Yeah. But overall, I think it's better.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah.
1: Not as clean as the first one. Hmm. Um you
0: did mention about you just reminded me of there's a scene where Rocket and Yondu are in jail together and they need to get Yondu's fin out and uh they 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 get baby Groot to go and they're like get the fin and then he keeps coming back with different items uh so I was watching this film and it had been a long day and Jess was on the couch and I thought she was asleep and then that scene comes up and then Groot comes back with a toe and Jess just goes. <laughs> and so she was awake the whole time, and that was the only joke that she had any kind of reaction to. And it's just like <laughs> it was so funny. It was the funniest part of the movie for me. It's <laughs> great. Um, um so yeah, yeah apparently uh you know, some some almost plays, which we've been mm-hmm. doing a lot. Uh Matthew McConaughey was and talks to play "quote unquote" the villain. I don't. It's not known if that's necessarily ego, but because he turned it down, saying it's like a secondary part, and so
1: Aisha, he was nearly. Yeah, like, Aisha. It like
0: could have been like yeah, like a role like that or something, yeah. or because Adam Warlock was in some drafts of this film, and so maybe it could have been Adam Warlock.
1: Adam Warlock, who was teased in the post-credit scene of this film, which One we'll of the get to later, scenes. but. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two doesn't get enough credit for being the biggest peak we've ever had at Phase Four. I think Yeah. there's something really interesting about this film.
0: Yeah, um, and also just before he died, uh, David Bowie was in talks to play one of the like ravagers and Sylvester Stallone's crew, which is the original lineup of the Guardians of the Galaxy or some of the original ones.
1: Yeah, and I think I remember hearing that David Bowie was gonna be what David ha- David Hasselhoff had in this film the cameo that he had
0: oh yeah that's not true no. some other people that he could have transformed into because they always played the role uh gary oldman vigo mortensen christoph waltz christopher Plummer, max von Sydow, alec baldwin rod perlman steven lang arnold schwarzenegger bruce willis robert de niro michael bean byn mal gibson and liam neeson hmm. any of those you think would have done
1: i could see i could see mal gibson yeah i could see liam neeson I don't think I'd be particularly impressed with Liam Neeson. I think Kurt Russell's real good.
0: Oh, Kurt Russell's amazing.
1: And I think I, they probably all would have done good jobs. But yeah, yeah. Does this sound like third franchise in a row? Where not in a row, actually. One of third franchise in recent times where a character either was or could have been played by Viggo Mortensen.
0: <laughs> yeah, from because uh, he almost played. Um, uh, Marty Wolf and Big Fat Liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about- So, the villain that Kurt Ross was playing is Ego, the living planet, who's kind of one of those sort of fringy characters. In uh, the comics, it's his Peter's father is called Jason, and James Gunn just doesn't like that character. So, he was like, yeah, he's not going to be the same as in the comics. Yeah. Um, and- But um, he- was writing the script and proposed the idea of having Ego the living planet being Star Wars father. Marvel said, sorry, we don't have the rights to Ego. Um, his rights were with 20th Century Fox because he's t- he's tied heavily to the Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer. Right. And he didn't have any other characters he wanted to do. So he had to go to Fox and ask if he could use the character. Um, Fox agreed to let Marvel have Ego in return um fox would be allowed to have more creative freedom regarding negasonic teenage warheads set of powers and deadpool
1: What a a (laughs) (laughs) trade-off. What a strange- That's so odd to me. That's such a- Like, why can't they do that for so much more? Why can't there be more of this bartering across- Yeah, yeah, yeah. The various studios that own Marvel properties to get- Yeah, but I mean,
0: I guess it's like Fox had no plans to use Ego in a movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, but- And
1: Marvel had to scrap their Sonic Teenage Warhead solo film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah 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 uh, so well because they couldn't use Negasonic Teenage Warhead Marvel couldn't use Negasonic Teenage Warhead because she's a mutant I think but they would still have to do the character comic book justice I guess that's a strange um, surely not no yeah I think so
1: that's a strange requirement if you
0: own well the because, because they're still under the Marvel banner it's just not Marvel Studios you know Yeah. but yeah interesting 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 stuff hmm it's um so yeah, Guardians two.
1: Yes two or thumbs no. up. Okay. Guardians
0: two thumbs up.
1: That's what they should have called it.
0: Yeah, it, it's cool as well. I mean, I guess this is getting more into continue the franchise, but obviously it's called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two because he has awesome mix Volume Two, and at the end of this film he gets a Zune, which mm. can have three hundred songs on it. It's what all the kids on Earth are listening to these days, and we have probably talked about this off pod, but I, I quite like the idea of calling the third one Guardians of the Galaxy .dot .mp three.
1: That's a good idea. I really like. I mean, that. it'll just be
0: called Volume Three, I'm sure. But yeah, like uh,
1: it should be .mp three. That's that's yeah. an insanely good idea. <laughs> I really hope they do that.
0: Yeah, because I was like, oh, what are they going to call it? Guardians of the Galaxy Zune, and then I was like, wait a minute, this is actually maybe.
1: <laughs> I feel like I've seen a logo for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. It's, Probably it's yeah. maybe like a fan made one, but yeah, I'm sure it. It, is. it feels like you're you're ruining the joke by doing volume three as the next one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's also the the first uh, sequel to use uh, just a, a, to use a numeral since Iron Man three.
1: Yeah, well there you bloody go, mate. There you go.
0: Yeah, so I guess um, we should just move on. To- We're stalling
1: because we haven't seen the next film yet, and we. <laughs> well, I have oh.
0: And it's Spider-Man Homecoming.
1: (laughs) A Very, very seamless return to form, Richard. Uh, Seamless to our listeners, but to us, there have been three days since we last recorded the the last section. Yeah, I've moved house. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the world has changed so much. But for you, dear listener, it's been but a matter of seconds.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and hopefully this new house doesn't sound... Horribly different.
1: It doesn't sound horribly different from my end so far. Okay. I can hear well, that's on, good on the Skype, on the Google Hangouts <laughs>
0: call. Um. So yeah, we're here today, as we have been already, to keep to continue talking about. I don't know. I don't need intro to intro this. This is like a, an hour and a half into the episode. Yeah. Uh, so Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes. Uh, it's directed by John Watts, came out in twenty seventeen. Uh, the second film for twenty seventeen, but they would have a third, making it the first year to have three Marvel films. Yep. Um and yeah, what's this one about, Alex?
1: Well, um don't call me Alex. Uh- <laughs> Alex, Alexander, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um again, I've just I've just taken to just copying directly from Wikipedia. They're fine. The perfectly good synopses. In Don't Spider-Man- even listen to
0: this. Just go yeah. read Wikipedia if you want to know what these films are about.
1: Yeah. In Spider Man Homecoming, Peter Parker tries to balance high school life with being Spider Man while facing the vulture. Rah. Actually, now that I've said it out loud, there's a lot of stuff left out of that. Maybe I should have. Yeah, there's it. a
0: lot of nuance uh, <laughs> left out of that. Uh, but I mean, I, I suppose that is the basic plot. Mm hmm. If you want to be very reductive about it. But um, what do you reckon this has on Roddy T's? Uh, 94. (gasps) Too high, mate. 92. Um, Only a little bit
1: too high, though. Yeah, but that does make
0: it the fifth highest ranked Marvel film.
1: Yeah, cool. Nice.
0: And um, I ranked this seventh on my letterbox. And uh, where did you rank it?
1: On my original one, before I redid everything, I ranked it sixth.
0: Uh, And now I've
1: I've ranked it eighth. So those two Captain America sequels have really fucked up the synergy of my old old (laughs) ranking. Um, Yeah, so I put it, in my new official opinion, I put it one step ahead of Guardians Volume 2 and just behind Captain America Winter Soldier.
0: Nice. Mm. Uh, For the record, for me, it sits between... Oh man, I've fucked this up. (laughs) Um, It sits between Guardians Two and Avengers.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think this is a great film. This is. I think. I. I. If let's see, I think the first maybe half is maybe more interesting, at least initially. That's more to say. I think it it loses its way a little bit in the middle, uh, but it has a really cool setup. Um, One of the things I like the most about it is that it it's the mcu from the from a different lens we haven't seen the lens of a of a high schooler looking at the world of marvel yet and so i think it's really yeah. valuable for that um it's got a great little twist in it it's got the the cast in this movie i remember b- before it came out that was the thing i was most excited for was just reading up who was in this movie and being like that person's in it and that donald Glover's yeah, in I remember movie. it was
0: like a joke i'd read it that it's like Oh, th- this point tomorrow, I'm expecting I'm going to be cast in Spider Man yeah, Homecoming.
1: Exa- it was the June of 2017.
2: <laughs>
0: um,
1: so yeah, no, I think this is this is a fantastic movie, um, and in a in a sort of wider context, um, this is these next three, f- uh, actually including Guardians two, and then continuing on through to the Avengers. That's five films in a row by Marvel that I would say are all like top shelf Marvel in a mm. row and that's insane to me that you know <laughs> like that's five after cuz you get you get something like civil war which was great but then that was followed by doctor strange which is a bit of a dud you know and or you get you yeah. get something like um Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but that comes out after Thor, the Dark World, which was a dud, you know? So it's like there's been this push and pull quality-wise up until 2017, where in this humble podcaster's opinion, they went straight, like, hit after hit after hit. Some of the best and most consistent uh, and exciting MCU films, five in a row. And I think that's amazing. If it wasn't for the two Captain America sequels, I would say, like, Regardless of them, actually, this is the golden age of the MCU. <laughs> it feels yeah. like you know, at least in, yeah. in twenty years, I think people will look back as twenty seventeen to mid twenty eighteen as the Marvel at it, at its strongest. Unless it gets even stronger in the f- future, which is entirely possible.
0: Exactly. Now you touched on having a great little twist. Now I want to talk about that now because that's essentially all I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so midway through the film, or past midway through, about two thirds of the way through the film, sort of, it's what separates the second act from the third act. I guess it's that kind yeah. of um, is uh, Peter goes to pick up his part, his his you know, date. date for prom for homecoming, for homecoming exactly, <laughs> and the door opens at his. Girl, his crush's house, and it's Michael Keaton, which is significant because up until this point in the film-
1: Michael Keaton's a very famous actor, and (laughs) she's like, oh my god, you didn't tell me your dad's Michael Keaton? I loved you and Mr. Mom.
0: (laughs) Up until this point in the film, he's been playing Adrian Toomes, who is the Vulture, and Spider-Man has seen his face, but he hasn't seen Spider-Man's face, and then- there's this great little interaction where, you know, he's he comes into the house and Michael Keaton's just standing there, like, you know, making dad jokes and generally kind of being, like, a little bit aloof. But he's mm-hmm. holding a knife. And then yeah. Peter's, like, shit scared the entire time. <laughs> and then he- Michael Keaton, Adrian drives Liz and Peter to the dance, and there's this moment where it slowly dawns on Michael Keaton that he's driving Spider-Man in the back of the car. Now,
1: yeah, because Liz won't s- shut up about all these like, things yeah, that all line these up.
0: insane coincidences <laughs> that makes it obviously <laughs> Spider-Man. But good yeah, old so
1: Spider-Man,
0: good old Spider-Man. <laughs> oh my God! And I've spoken a little bit about. Oh, like this is one of my favorite moments in the MCU. This is for my money. This is the best from when uh, Michael Keaton opens the door, and to when Peter gets out of the car is the greatest moment in the Little, MCU. Yeah,
1: the greatest sequence. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it's it's like oh, it's so good. I think it's so good because of because it's a lot of things being a lot of acting. It's a lot of acting more than it is the writing. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. it's it's watching specifically Michael Keaton. It's watching a real good, real solid performance. And it's always cool in a movie when someone works something out without having to ask. You know? Yeah. And that's sort of sort of what he does here. Um. And Michael Keaton as a whole is like fantastic in this. Oh, film. And, I, I th- he's uh, totally. So
0: yeah. He like he's. It's, it's cool because Michael Keaton, I mean, we'll talk about Marvel's villain problem and then this run of like five films, as you say, was kind of a response to that, yeah. um, as, you, as you've as you sort of talked about before. But um, yeah, Michael Keaton is, the Vulture's a little bit cheesy as a villain, but Michael Keaton is terrifying just yeah. as himself. Like when he opens the door, you're like, oh, fuck, yeah. you get, you're generally terrified. And th- there was—I remember
1: a- in, in the cinema there was yeah. like a, a a sound that people in the in the audience made when Michael Keaton opened the door. It was like, yeah, it, "What's this amazing plot twist doing in my safe superhero film?" Yeah, and, and like
0: <laughs> no one saw it coming as well.
1: No, yeah, yeah. And, like and it's I don't remember set up anyone- It's there if, you, if you're looking for it, it's there.
0: Yeah, but it's oh man, the the conversation between the two of them, the way it's shot, even because. Uh, he he's paused at a red light, mm-hmm. and it's sort of when when you see it starts to dawn on him he he gets stopped at a red light so his face is completely illuminated red <laughs> which makes him look evil and then right when when he's 100% knows the light turns green and so he's illuminated with this green light which is obviously resembles the vulture
1: <laughs> it's so it's like media studies 101 but it's so effective at the same time you oh
0: know? <laughs> God, it's so intense and it's like it's Tense, but it's also like funny, Mm. and it's also like yeah, like you say, it's just this like showcasing Michael Keaton as an actor. It's Mm. it's a one hundred percent. If if we were fans of this podcast and we were commenting on what's your favorite moment in Phase Three, this is my favorite (laughs) moment of the entire (laughs) year. It's fantastic, and it's oh yeah, and and coming from someone who spider-man's my favorite character i've said this in the past like not not maybe not necessarily in the mcu but just like in more in like fiction mm-hmm. or like in comic books he's like my favorite superhero generally so yeah. yeah this is a great movie and it's great to see a moment like that and th- this, mo- this movie had a lot of great spider-man yeah <laughs> uh because so we we go back to spider-man being in high school in this film, which mm-hmm. is cool, and played by someone who's like genuinely looks like they're in high school.
1: Oh, it's like, this makes Andrew Garfield and Toby G- Maguire look ridiculous. <laughs> like, Tom Holland is clearly, well, I mean, I think he was 20 when he filmed it, but he still looks yeah. like a teenager. Whereas, like, someone like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, do you remember the line in The Amazing Spider-Man when Emma Stone's like, Dad, I'm 17! And it's, it's <laughs> like, you just crack up because she's clearly not 17. Like, yeah. this is, like, genuine teenagers or people who look like, actually look like teenagers being cast in something. And the
0: skin, mm. Yeah. Um, and there's also another, a, 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 another great moment in the film that it's sort of adapting an iconic moment from the comics is when he's, a building has fallen on him essentially. And he musters up the strength to, to mm. stand up, which is like other than Gwen Stacy dying spoilers for the amazing Spider-Man comics. <laughs> Uh, is like one of the most iconic Spider-Man images nice. in comics. So that was cool to see to mm. properly. It's it's done a little bit hammy because his like his mask is in the water, and it's half his face, half the mask. And then you hear like an echo of Robert Downey Jr. saying something from earlier in the film. Yeah,
1: but yeah. But in general, I think what's interesting about this film from an MCU perspective is that it's. It's the first time the MCU, maybe the first time since the Incredible Hulk that the MCU has been adapting a well-known superhero, <laughs> like like <laughs> well-known to the public because you know, depending on your level of nerdness, um the Hulk Hulk was the only really the only hero that I knew about. Until Spider Man in the MCU. Like knew a lot mm. about it at least. I you know, I had I had shadows of Captain America and stuff in my life, but I didn't know any famous storylines or catchphrases. You lived
0: in the shadow of Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Like um, you grew up and your parents were just like, oh, he's no Captain America. <laughs> and you're like, you spill juice on the rug and they're like, Captain
1: America would have never done this. Yeah, exactly. Um but like the, we got a comment. I can't remember who it's from, but we'll do another comment episode in um sometime in the future and I'll, I'll read it up properly but they were talking about how another reason why the incredible hulk was such a strange movie is that it wasn't only functioning as trying to be a a half sequel to ang lee's hulk but it's also trying to be an homage to the hulk tv show because you get like the lonely man tune from do you know do you know yeah, about the, the
0: the the sad walking away song yeah,
1: yeah yeah which is referenced in the incredible hulk movie with ed norton and like it does a lot of things that that yeah reference past iterations of the hulk and then with spider-man you get the yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. and it's like this is the first time and they mention like friendly neighborhood spider-man a couple of times and you know and it's it's this is the first time the mcu or the first time in a long time that they haven't been um introducing the general public to a character and now they are you know reminding you they're they're like playing off things that everyone already knows um as opposed to something like introducing thanos which is something that nerds know uh and can tell their non-nerdy friends who this character is you know like it's it's mm. very interesting it's a very different way of making a movie um and yeah that, and that's really cool
0: because yeah, it assumes you know who Uncle it assumes you know about Uncle Ben and the Radioactive Spider and, oh, and, and all the, this.
1: The, it's almost I almost want to call it a deficit, but at the same time, I'm so sick of seeing it portrayed that I don't think it's too bad. But like, the MCU is missing its Peter gets bitten by a spider scene, and it, it's such a specific part of his character that's brought up once in the MCU so far. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, and it's,
0: it's as if like oh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's also like. It almost it almost it's almost under underplayed in the way that it, it feels like Peter actually isn't enhanced. He is, but it, it almost feels like he isn't enhanced <laughs> by radioactive spiders. It feels more like he, you know, was uh, uh, just smart and made web fluid, and that's what got him on Tony's radar. Like Tony, yeah. Tony Stark probably doesn't even know about the radioactive spider.
0: No, nah, he mentions it to him. Ah, does he? In Civil War. But, yeah, also, uh, one thing I love about this Spider-Man as well is that they made a real effort to show how strong he is. Uh, And because there's the bit in Civil War where he holds up, like, an aircraft, like, you know, the bridge thing you walk over when you get on a plane, uh, which Captain America drops on him, not knowing that he's super strong. (laughs) uh, Which is, I don't know, did Captain America just get real lucky or or unlucky (laughs) that that this kid- (laughs) was really, uh, really quite strong. Because, yeah, Spider-Man is a very, very strong character in that compendium that I've referenced, that that, Spider-Man encyclopedia, which I've referenced Mm. many times in this podcast. I remember there was like a panel that had him lifting up like a bit of concrete that had like Thor and the thing and the Hulk and a bunch of characters standing on it. And it was like, well, not quite as strong as the Hulk. He's one of the strongest uh, you know, characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so mm-hmm. there uh, he's actually like quite, nice. quite supposed to be very strong. But uh, if you're listening to this episode and you currently live in 2008 and you're using this as a means to catch up on, or well, you've just woken up from a coma that you started in two thousand eight. Let's say that, and you're using this to catch up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And but you're pretty savvy on your uh, on your pop culture. You'll be like, how does how does Spider Man get in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Mm. Um, so AJ, do you want to explain what uh, happened?
1: So in the in the nineties before the MCU, Marvel was like going bankrupt basically so they sold a bunch of their properties to, to movie studios and that's how we got this the sam raimi spider-man films because they sold the property rights to spider-man um to uh sony and yep. this is the same reason why the x-men and fantastic four are fox films because they sold the film rights to them to, to fox um and there's a few other smaller examples uh so yeah the reason spider-man took so long like Marvel's in, in many ways, Marvel's headlining character took so long to make his way into the MCU is because Sony wouldn't give up the rights to, uh, old Peter Parker for so mm. long. And it wasn't until Spider-Man three failed. Then Sp- the amazing Spider-Man failed that they were like, shit, we've got to start making money off this extremely bankable character in movies yeah. that aren't, um, aren't like laughable. And so, uh, Lo and behold, against what everyone thought was going to happen, uh, mm. Marvel and Sony made a deal that means that uh Sony will what, they'll finance the film and have and distribute the film. Is well, that right? yeah.
0: Basically, um Sony will make uh Spider-Man solo films and Marvel will give them characters to use in those films, which is why Iron Man's in this one. And But, and so Sony will make it and get all the money from it, but um, Marvel will do quality control, essentially. So Kevin Feige is the executive producer on this, so he has for all of them, and he didn't actually receive any money to be um, the executive producer. He did it, you know, just more out of quality control. Whereas uh, Sony doesn't receive any money for uh, Avengers films that Spider-Man's on. Yeah. So it's like a good, I think there's, uh, they there's some deal made with the like toy and merchandise rights, but yeah, the, this the sort of first rumblings of this happened at, at the end of 2014 when there was the big Sony emails leak, and we saw yeah. that uh, this had actually been spoken about. So it was a mm. good day for us Marvel fans.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, and I'm glad as well that we didn't, because uh, I remember people were talking about merging the Amazing Spider-Man into the MCU. And I was always against that because I always felt like the MCU and the Amazing Spider-Man films were very different in tone. Um, And you've also got a smaller scale of what has come to be known, at least in my mind, as the X-Men problem of how do you fold the X-Men into the MCU? Because people would clearly be talking about the events of each and each other's universes.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like how, yeah, yeah. And they they, they did the right thing
1: yeah yeah and and look uh this isn't my favorite spider-man movie but um it's a in my top four (laughs) i'd rank it above uh spider-man 3 and the two amazing spider-man movies and venom
0: yeah so fair enough um it's also who gives a
1: shit where i put it doesn't matter
0: yeah, and so also as well, this is an interesting thing where not only is this part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for us, but it's also uh, of sorts a film franchise follow-ups because if you are a Spider-Man fan like I am and like to a lesser extent AJ is, um, there's actually an episode that we cover the five prior to this one Spider-Man films, which is the Sam Raimi trilogy and then the uh, the two amazing Spider-Man fil- films. Hmm. Um. And yeah, like you say, it's not necessarily the best one. It's not trying to be to, to be that same kind of story that makes the, the, no. the say, Spider-Man 1 until so it's not trying to be the same kind of story that made those great.
1: This isn't a Spider-Man movie. This is an MCU movie, I hmm. would say. And that would be a shame if we hadn't already had plenty of Spider-Man movies. Like yeah. it, it is a shame in the sense that um, I, can, I can see someone who's like a Spider-Man purist being bummed out because the, those- those original the original Raimi trilogy just captured the spirit of the character so well, uh, but we've had that twice now, you know, and to to yeah. to um diminishing returns, and so I have no problem with not having a first person perspective shooting through New York City shot you know because we've had we've had that i what i actually really liked in spider-man homecoming is you get a shot of him web slinging from quite far away it's like a a wide shot and you see him like fall onto the ground because he misjudges a a um swing and it's like this is a different way to see spider-man as a very small person and this is this is fine There are so many Spider-Man canons happening at the moment that it's fine to have one that's Spider-Man if he was in the MCU. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, it's quite interesting as well. that So, the Raimi trilogy came out in 2002, 2004, 2007, and then uh, there's been three more movies since then, and they came out in 2012, 2014, and 2017. Wow. They're all 10 years after a corresponding Raimi one. Nice. A little fun fact there for you. Uh, so a couple of things I, I want to talk about before we move on to the next one. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I sort of noticed or, I mean, not noticed, but like had a like, oh. <laughs> I didn't notice it. <laughs> like ha- had a like, oh yeah, moment because I'd been thinking about it. Because like, uh, I was watching these films again. I'm like, when does Avengers Tower stop being part of it? Because so Stark builds Stark Tower and then at the start of the Avengers then it's used for Avengers Tower and then we see them have a party there in Age of Ultron and then by the end of Age of Ultron and in Civil War there's like an Avengers compound that's like a warehouse and then it's it's weird it seems strange to me that Spider-Man Homecoming is the one that like says oh yeah we're moving out of Avengers Tower and and, and fully into this compound and it's like it's just it's it's funny that that's in a Spider-Man film, which is you know yeah, seems yeah. so inconsequential.
2: Mm, yeah, um, no, totally.
0: But yeah, the Avengers Tower was cool. I liked Avengers Tower. The the one time we like saw inside it, it looked like way more fun than the compound, <laughs> which is very grey and <laughs> yeah, cementy yeah. and yeah like but, I, I would uh, love I'll, to see more of a tour of the compound and maybe we'll get it in the end game there's there'll be maybe there'll be a, a moment of levity where we just see everyone's rooms
1: <laughs> um yeah no that'll be cool i do like one thing i also really like about this film um and we sort of we've i'm circling back around to the beginning of our discussion on it now um One of the, so the villain problem, right? One of the reasons that Michael Keaton's so good, other than you fully understanding his motivations, um, fully agreeing with, you know, not necessarily agreeing with his motives, but agreeing with his motivations, I think it's cool how he is a product of the fallout of the Avengers. Mm. So he is a construction worker. Who gets a contract with the city after the Chatari invasion to clean up and then they get kicked out by like shield or whoever because they have jurisdiction over it and so they end up stealing chitari um, weaponry yeah. and selling that on the black market and that's what a, that's one of the best ideas this movie has, you know like is, is to have that be yeah. the, the main the main villains deal I guess. Um, hmm. and if we're gonna move on to the next film, oh we, we will. Yeah. At one point. Well, I'll <laughs> signpost something here. Um the next three films, I feel, each solve a different problem that people said is, is in the MCU. Um, one of which th- one of these three films creates. <laughs> and I, I think that's awesome because so and so, th- th- this is all to say that Spider-Man: Homecoming, among all the other great things it does, it also is was the first, in my opinion, the first film to cemently, cemently, cement Semen. the solution to the villain problem. Like, Ego was cool, Loki was cool. This is the first villain that I was like, "This is my favourite character in the film."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, it's
0: interesting as well because you mentioned about the it uh, had immediately deals or like directly deals with the fallout from the Avengers. But Mm. because there's the the famous sort of thing at the start that's like, you know, them being hired to clean up after the Chitauri invasion. And then it says eight years later. Oh, that's the worst thing ever. So (laughs) it's the film starts in 2012 and then cuts eight years later to 2017. Now, for (laughs) those of you playing at home, that's five years difference. And so people tried so hard to justify why this was taking place because it's like spider-man because going through and looking at what mcu events ha- like definitely happen at a certain date and so yeah. people are like oh homecoming must be set in 2019 and all this stuff and, and then avengers can be moved back like just to the end of 2011 um
2: <laughs> but
0: they officially marvel in the last year or so has released like an official timeline and it directly contradicts that eight years later thing and I think the, like, Infinity War screenwriters, like, someone sort of with high up or, like, with some sort of influence on the timeline has just been like, yeah, that's wrong.
1: <laughs> I think it was Feige. I remember yeah. it being Feige. Yeah, I think, he said, I think it was. basically said it was a mistake, which is interesting because it, how do you not fix it? And why do you not fix it for the DVD release? I don't know. It, it's but- <laughs> so strange.
0: Uh, so, <laughs> one thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast is titles and this, this yeah well you know i thought we'd do it yeah. for for this film rather than waiting okay. to the end um yeah so just spider-man homecoming is kind of in a, a cool slash interesting title because it refers to not mm. only the homecoming dance but then the him um, coming home to marvel and yeah. it's funny as well because everyone just assumed that the next one would be called like sophomore and yeah. then spider-man Graduation. Uh, they good we, titles
1: i do like that idea yeah
0: but true. we were wrong because the the motif isn't years of school or whatever it's uh yeah. it's the word home
1: or maybe yeah, it's not far, f- yeah far from home being the next one and then the next one's just nothing like it's just yeah whatever um i i do like on paper i like spider-man homecoming as a title i do wish it had a third meaning in the film though i wish it was He's coming home to Marvel. It's the homecoming dance and also something to do with the main action adventure. Yeah, like also story. yeah, he's
0: he's stuck at home and he's the movie's yeah, about well, coming home. Home homecoming.
1: homecoming is one of the winter soldier's trigger words, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so
1: I thought maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, it's, it's weird because um
0: like Spider Man Homecoming was announced just before Civil War, and then there's the bit in Civil War where uh do you remember the words?
1: No, do you know what? The stream I illegally watched yeah. what have been watching all these films on, they don't put subtitles. Not even for alien languages, which I think is real interesting that you wouldn't hard code subtitles for an alien language into your <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um But yeah, it's longing, rusted, seventeen, daybreak, furnace, nine, benign, homecoming one, freight car
1: they're all like imagine if those were all titles for future Spider Man movies.
0: <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah. They're, the they're next, all named like, 30 after 30 years of Spider-Man movies. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They're they're all named after the um the first film that Spider-Man was introduced into. Because some of those aren't bad. Like read them out again.
0: Uh Longing, Rusted, yeah. 17, yeah. Daybreak, yeah. Furnace. S-
1: Spider Man Daybreak is cool. Uh you can nine. do Morbius the Living Vampire. And the, it.
0: And so it has all these cool titles and it's just Spider Man nine.
1: Spider Man Seventeen,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Benign Homecoming, One Freight Car. Because I remember having a giggle in the theater, and also I giggled at um, Daybreak because you know in Community there's that that tune. They're always like,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah uh, That's yeah. called that song's called Daybreak, and the Russos obviously <laughs> were involved in Community. Um, right, yeah. So yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's actually a reference to that. And that's cool because I forgot to mention that when we're talking about Civil War. But uh, speaking of community, Donald Glover's mm. in this film as well. And yep. that's quite cool. He he plays a character who, uh, you know, if, if you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you might recognize his character as being Aaron Davis, brother of uh, Miles Morales' dad, uh, making him Miles', Miles, Miles <Davis>. uncle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say Miles Davis. Uh, Jonathan Davis, I think. No, that's okay. really very corn. Cool. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, he's Miles Morales. He mentions having a nephew and that character becomes the Prowler. And it was quite cool when he was cast because uh, he. there was a big movement when they, were, when they announced they were rebooting Spider-Man to do the Amazing Spider-Man. There was a big movement to get Donald Glover to play Spider-Man. Obviously, he's black and a lot of people took issue with that. And then- uh, so it did not end up, end up happening they cast Andrew Garfield instead but then they debuted a you know Latina slash a, a black Latin mix um, Spider-Man called Miles Morales and he looks like Donald Glover because he's based on him and yeah. Donald Glover plays him in the Ultimate Spider-Man TV series but it's just a little bit of fun Donald Glover-ness yep. in between mm. um, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe
1: my my favorite. If we're circling back around to titles, my favorite uh, title suggestion for a third Marvel Spider-Man film. I saw like after Far From Home was announced, someone mocked up a poster that was like it was the shot of Peter Parker's Spider-Man shoe, yeah, like a close-up of it next to um, Miles Morales' Spider-Man's like what because he, he wears like a Chuck Taylor or something, yeah, like Snickers. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, next to that, and it was called Spider Man Homies, yeah. and I'd I'd be down for that. Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad title. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, also, just before we move on, I, I this is something I vaguely remember having a conversation with you about, and might, it might not have been you, but what do you think of their interpretation interpretation of Flash Thompson being like a nerdy dude who's like bullies Spider Man?
1: Um, I'm indifferent. I don't have any strong. Feel. I don't really know a lot about Flash Thompson. Yeah, because because traditionally in the com-
0: in the comics and in the other movies, Flash Thompson's you know the big big hulking dude, if you will. it's right. like a physical threat to Spider Man. But yeah, I quite liked that they did a different interpretation where he's like uh, he's like a rich kid and he's and yeah. he's a bit of a dick and he's because yeah you know the, those sort of mm. clicks of like the big dumb jocks beating up the the nerds doesn't yeah. really happen so much anymore. No. Um, oh, it, it feels false in movies now as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with Young Aunt May as well. Like, the, Basically, they're going all out to make this a different interpretation. And I think, again, like with the whole MCU, the MCU treatment of it, I also really like how Spider-Man is less like the scale of someone like how America or the world would see Iron Man and more like how... Uh, um, how like Christchurch sees Radio Ron, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like he's for uh, my Christchurch. Yeah, that's will a very that. not, <laughs> specific. Like, but words. what I mean is, he's not like world famous. He's like this, at least not the beginning. He's like this superhero that people around New York kind of know about.
0: Yeah, you know, he's, he's like a friendly neighborhood Spider Man.
1: Exactly. So that's this is the best interpretation of the friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Yeah, I think we've seen. I
0: also love uh, the. One thing we kind of touched on at the stuff, but yeah, I love seeing how the rest of the world or like, you know, the, the, how a certain group of people view like the Avengers.
1: Yeah. Um, they, and that's what this whole movie is,
0: basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's a kid that looks up to the Avengers, but yeah, how they're like talking about like doing fuck, Mary kill with like Iron Man, Cap and Thor. And then yeah. they, um, and yeah, I, I like the Captain America doing like PSAs that they play in gym class. Where he's like, as someone who's been on ice, I know a lot yeah, about. Yeah. like, um, And then, of course, it leads to a great post credit scene, but we'll be talking about that later on.
1: <laughs> it also leads to Hannibal Burris being like, he's, I think this guy's a war criminal now or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like this nice... This this movie, for for being like a Sony movie, technically, it does yeah. a pretty good job at carrying over threads from, from previous movies, yeah. uh, which not all Marvel movies do. There, and and
0: right. then... Uh, Sony later later or the like the following year proved that they're not done screwing up Spider Man uh, yeah. with their release venom and they're gonna prove it again with Morbius.
1: But then they prove that they can do it even better than anything in the MCU with Spider Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, a opinion a an dro- opinion drop, but yeah, yeah there you go. So <laughs>
0: next up we have a very famous film <laughs> this one specifically. What? Um, it's For Ragnarok. Came out. That was the last film in 2017. It was directed by Taika Waititi, who is a New Zealand director. Um, Hooray. Shout out to our boy, who I've uh, insulted on the podcast a lot.
1: I don't think insulted doesn't, you've critiqued him. I Critique, feel like insult yeah. is, is more. Uh, yeah, I feel
0: like I've never said anything nice about Taika Waititi on the podcast. Um, well, and maybe I to. will hear. So, what? what is this what about?
1: Thor Ragnarok is, uh, in Thor Ragnarok, Thor must escape the alien planet Sakaar in time to save Asgard from Hela and the impending Ragnarok. So, Hela is his long lost sister and Ragnarok is the Asgardian word for Armageddon. Mm-hmm. As, Asgarmageddon.
0: Oh, very cool. Very Thank nice. Uh, so, what do you reckon this has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: Ninety-three.
0: Ooh. Way off. Ninety-two. Ah, uh, way so, off. Same as Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is the third highest, though. Yep. Because I, I guess it has more, uh, more reviews than yeah, yeah. than the other one. So uh, I ranked this 11th for my- for-
1: On my original MCU ranking, I ranked the second. So- uh- <laughs> warning ahead a lot of gushing is about to happen <laughs> uh, and on my redux i've ranked it fourth wow. um so it's 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 another it's victim of down. the
0: um went of the captain america sequels
1: no it's ahead of the captain america sequels so at the moment it's between iron man and iron man 3 um and i think it's less about it, it, it fading from greatness and more about another film which we'll talk about very soon um rising above <laughs> it's, pre- it's previous <laughs> it's previous ranking. Um, yeah, man, I love this movie so much.
0: Yeah, um, I remember this being the first time that I came out of a cinema and everyone was like, wasn't that the best MCU movie? And that I started to describe my feelings as being like, uh, yeah, I was whelmed by it. I, I have mm-hmm. such high expectations for the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And so uh, I saw this one and I was like, yep, yeah, Cool. That that was really good, and I expected it to be good, and so, you know, I I feel the same essentially. Yeah. And then I thought with the following films as well, and I and I was like, what if I'm just stuck thinking about the thinking this oh about MCU films because I, I remember having that kind of feeling with like Civil War and um, Doctor Strange two that I was like really excited for. And then over time, you know, your your opinion sort of warps based on how you remember the film. Because I, I, I had a similar kind of thing after Black Panther where I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this, this is really good. I can appreciate it as one of the best ones they've done. And it's really good. But then as I thought about it more and rewatched it a few times, I was like, no, actually, this is, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit. And then even further, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Infinity War was the first one since the first Iron Man that I felt completely blown away by. But we'll talk about that in just a few hours but <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if if spider-man homecoming was as talked about this before If spider-man homecoming was the first film to truly like knock the villain problem on its head um thor ragnarok in my mind and i know people are gonna disagree but fuck off um <laughs> this this solves two problems the first the first is obviously it's the first good thor movie in my opinion um like it's the first it's, so it solves the four movies of the worst ones problem
2: yeah
1: um and it also in my opinion it solves a lot of the sameness problem like the the idea that all marvel movies are basically the same thing with like little splashes of personality here and there like this is the edgar wright ant-man movie that we never got in my mm. opinion, this, this is like the-, the James
0: Gunn Guardian. Oh, sorry, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is this is no, this is closer to um, Guardians of the Galaxy than anything else. And I just want to apologize because someone is buzzsawing at at four fifty four p.m. on my street, and I'm sorry if you can hear. That. <laughs> I, I mean, buzz-soars? I can't hear it. To be, Who to chainsaws be fair. at this time of day?
0: Yeah, chainsawing hours. You know, sun's getting real low.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you can't hear it i'll just cut this part out Um, (laughs) so yeah this this with knowing i guess what i'm saying is knowing that Ant that edgar wright was let go from ant-man for a lot of people theorize it being because he wanted to make it too much of his own vision and you know not share the the um
0: marvel kind of yeah
1: the marvel vision Um, this is I'm surprised we got this movie because and I know it I know and you've probably got this written down that it's a direct response from Chris Hemsworth himself wanting to liven up the series Um, but I think they succeeded in in that mission I think Mm. that this is a very funny movie I think that this is a very exciting um, it's it's probably my favorite Marvel movie that kind of stands alone as its own thing um you know it it's it's it feels a little bit more disconnected to the m c u um than than others uh, yeah no i think i think this is chris Hemsworth at his best um again yeah. the the cast is amazing. You've got Jeff Goldblum in there, you've got Kate Blanchett in there, you've got Taika Waititi himself in there, you've got Tom Hiddleston's back, of course. You've got Mark Ruffalo, who who I love. I yeah. love Mark Ruffalo so much. And and he's hilarious. Like I love the part where um where where Thor tells Valkyrie that they're going to be um, the revengers and get revenge on on Hela, and and he's like, "Cause I want revenge and, and you want revenge," and, she, and then Valkyrie asks um, Bruce Banner the the Hulk and Bruce Banner form if he wants revenge, and he goes, uh I'm uh, uh, I'm undecided. (laughs) It's so it's so Ruffalo, you know. It's so it's like this very quiet. He's got a a little, a small smile on his face, and he's just just humbly being like, "I'm I'm undecided at this stage."
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, couple of things you said I want to pick up on, please. Um, So one, you said that about. uh, So were you saying that this as well? Solves the villain problem, or what do you? What do you think? I'm not. The I'm not crazy
1: one? about the villain in this one, but I don't. I think it's. I think. I think she's purpose. She serves a purpose. Yeah, it's one of those she's things. Not the things worst where one.
0: Kate Blanchett is great, but the villain isn't necessarily great. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas be. Spider-Man: Homecoming had the perfect marriage of those two things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, the whole personality thing because it, it is really interesting because obviously it was reported for a long time before that Taika Waititi was directing the film. We knew. Who tyke We were quite familiar with Taika being in New Zealand. You know, he's, he's directed a lot, and he's sort of famous for having uh, this. Well, New Zealand kind of has this very idiosyncratic sense of humor, yeah. And um, so it was interesting to see because I think I think a lot of us assumed that it would get very watered down, and yep. then we saw the first trailer for Thor Ragnarok, and everyone was mm. like, "As Guardians of the Galaxy." Mm. Um and it was yeah it was it was really interesting as well because again we we talked about this last episode but there was very clearly a different plan for Thor Ragnarok and and I think Taika Waititi seemed like a very strange choice to be the person to bring that vision mm. ahead so I I'm, I am glad for the record I am glad we got the, the film we did yeah. and it's I, I I'm sure it's scores better than it would have been yeah um but yeah I mean like Kenneth Branagh almost came back to direct it.
1: Yeah, I don't want anyone except Tiker. <laughs> like this, this film did so much for the Thor brand that, like, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but like a fourth Thor movie, Thor Four, is the feels like the only realistic um, trilogy breaker on the cards. Yeah, you know? except
0: for I'm I'm pretty sure they're making a fourth Avengers film. I I think I, it's called I, Endgame, I, and I hmm. think it's already out. By the time you're listening to this,
1: I think there's um, I think it's conjecture. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? The, the, the yeah, first yeah, yeah. solo, the first solo guy to get a fourth movie. Um, and you know, I saw a report earlier today. I sent you it that said Thor four is is um being talked about reportedly, and Taika is in talks to return. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see what how Tyker can t- continue this brand. Imagine if the first Thor had been I, I know I, I'm sure there are Thor purists listening and maybe even you yourself have some of this and in, in your your blood but like if Iron Man had been the like cool technological advancement adventures and Captain America had been the stoic you know what does it truly mean to be a hero and if Thor had been this comical sci-fi fantasy marriage from Thor 1 mm. that would have been so interesting and maybe, maybe, maybe on the on the other side of that, maybe it's cool that Thor Ragnarok is the only one that is yeah. there. You
0: know, well, I think I think they were able to earn it. Like, if it wasn't for even like Age of Ultron, Thor Ragnarok would be s- stupidly out of place. Like, yeah, yeah, because Thor is a great character because he takes himself too seriously, and yeah. then in Thor Ragnarok, there's a lot of times where he doesn't take himself seriously enough. I think, and I have seen and heard people say that Thor Ragnarok is the worst Thor movie, and that's. Not, it's not the worst movie with Thor in it. It's the worst in terms of being a Thor movie, you know? People like,
1: have got to let go of that, though, especially with the third. This is the same thing we talked about um, with – did we talk about this on pod? Maybe we didn't. Yeah. We we're, we're talking about something with, like, it's it's a inter- different interpretation of um, – oh, it was with uh, Mandarin. Like, yeah. the, this is – I don't – these aren't the comics. These are yeah, yeah, these, the yeah. movies, and- especially by the third – sorry, I'll, I'll – let your button in, in just a second. Especially <laughs> by the the third um, movie of a headlining character, um, this has become the movies and not the comics they're based on, and I yeah. have no problem with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. But um, I mean, I'm saying like there are, there is a place for Thor's Thor's your favourite comic book character. You've been reading him for decades, and then. You see this movie that's- not There's going to be a disconnect and you are maybe going to be a little bit disappointed. Even if yeah. you enjoy the film immensely, maybe even more than you enjoyed it. You can Fuck still off. be like, this is a bad interpretation of Thor, but it's a cool movie.
1: Nobody enjoys Thor Ragnarok more than me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I think for me, for my money- uh, some of the humor went a bit too far at times and i think it's a similar thing that happened after fly the Concords got really big is that everyone started to copy that style especially restabi like no sorry people people try to copy Reece Darby, not he's 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 anything wrong with him but um everyone tried to to do that and on a smaller scale at school everyone was quoting Reece Darby or trying to talk like Reece Darby or fly the concord's and at a larger scale You know, all these movies started and TV shows started having that sense of humor. And it's like by the time like Thor Ragnarok started a lot of it because now we're seeing a lot of Kiwi accents and things. And that's the only joke is that this person has a (laughs) New Zealand accent and it's a funny sounding accent. Um, But yeah, it's like we've talked about like the Marvel Undercut before. Yeah. And I think this is
1: Marvel Undercut the movie. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it's like. Yeah, you know, you can be like, ha like, taking down Marvel, like, yeah, it shouldn't take itself so seriously. But I think there are quite a few powerful or, like, moments that are ruined because of a joke. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm being a nerd for, like, wanting the destruction of Thor's homeworld to, you know, have a little bit of significance for more than five seconds. Um, but fuck you, I do want it to have significance for more than five seconds before Taika Waititi mm. butts in with a- with a joke
1: i get that man and i guess i just don't i just i i know i'm i'm almost at least in my um circles i feel like i'm almost in the minority here these days but i just i love the sense of humor i love the idea of um, I do too. I'm things. just sick of it.
0: <laughs> like, sure. Um, and and it's like, especially when it's something that feel. And I guess it's partly because, yeah, it's when something's like ours, or you know, it's belongs specifically to New Zealand. And especially like my sense of humour that to then see it sort of bastardised and shared with the world is. And not, not that Taika bastardized it, obviously, because it's, like, his, him. He invented and, and, it. <laughs> that, yeah. That, like, that, like, that's the thing is that, yeah, like I said, like, Taika, you know, everyone's, like, he's got such a specific sense of humor. But now that everyone's sort of watering it down and trying to do it and and failing and, well, most of the time failing. But, yeah, and and this my sort of issues with the humor undercutting things doesn't come from a place of- uh, like, don't mess with my Marvel or anything like that. It's it's, no, it's nothing at all like that. It's more like, a, a, as a film goer, not just like a Marvel fan, there's these moments that are, that lose their sort of weight. But um, there, there's, there's, there's plenty of great moments in this film, and I do really like this film. Um, yeah. I just maybe, I, I guess as well, I wasn't as surprised with it. It was my main thing as well, that like, so many people were like, oh my God, like, this movie was so much better than I thought. It's like, well, with with Tika and seeing all the trailers, I was like, it's exactly the movie I thought it was going to be. And I so- agree with
1: that. No, I agree. It was it was exactly the movie I thought of. it it didn't for as much as I like it. Um, and the reason I guess why Avengers one is it will always probably be my favorite Marvel movie is because of that level of expectation compared to what it actually was. And you know, like I didn't think that this movie i th- I thought I would love this movie, and I did love so I was whelmed in a sense as well. I yeah. guess I'm just more enthusiastic about that whelming yeah <laughs>
0: yeah um so uh to to insult one other thing in the film, and mm. th- this bugged me this time, so there's a, a a bit of like weird editing in the film, and so. We've talked. We talked in the in the Phase One episode about the move that Hulk does to Loki, where he grabs him and just like you know, like smacks him against the against the ground a bunch of times, like a rag doll. And uh, Hulk does that to Thor in this movie with Loki watching. And so he does. He goes, bam, 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 on the ground. And then it cuts to a bunch of reaction shots. It cuts to Thor on the ground, and then Loki stands up and goes, yes. That's how that feels. So it takes Loki like a full 10 seconds right. to realize what has happened and then react to it. And it's mm. it's it's weirdly too long. Um, okay. I, I, I just wanted to notice. point that out as like oh, a weird. Because there's a few like weird little strange things like that just peppered throughout the film.
1: Yeah, man. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. And look, I'm sorry, but we're going to look at these films through a critical lens. <laughs> um,
1: well, can I, can I talk about some other stuff I like in it then? No, no, no 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 that's it that's it um i love the like uh almost renaissance painting style cinematography in some parts i think that's real cool um yeah that and i love the the vibrancy of it the colorfulness of it this is such a nice film to look at regardless of the the humor and that's kind of driving it um and yeah i don't know the the this is this movie is just so exciting to me and as i said before this the this spread of five films of which we're in the third of like it's why something which we'll talk about in a few hours um something like ant-man and the wasp or captain marvel kind of don't glean any bigger reaction out of anyone because it's like You've seen it you've seen us go to this extreme with Thor Ragnarok and as we'll talk about soon you see it go to the other extreme with something like Black Panther and yeah. then you you go back to stability with Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel and it's we're getting ahead of ourselves but my point being like Yeah yeah whoo whoo <laughs> Yeah, this is—I don't know. This is a very exciting film, and and you know, with with what I've talked about regarding my feelings towards the Last Jedi or Iron Man Three and these unpopular but risky films that I've enjoyed, I think <laughs> this this belongs a place up there in in the halls of that because as as I said this on the Phase Two episode that I don't necessarily like avant-garde riskiness in a standalone film but the idea of dismantling a blockbuster franchise from within the blockbuster franchise has always been something that very much excites me and um i find very interesting um and yeah so go thor ragnarok
0: (laughs) 100 percent agree okay um (laughs) so one interesting thing in this movie and honestly i can't remember if we touched on this in thor the dark world or not but there's a big rock character at in the start of Thor The mm. Dark World, who-
1: We didn't talk about this on the podcast, okay. but we did in, talk about it In, in
0: the director's commentary is confirmed to be comic book favourite uh, character, Korg, who yeah. appears in this film, now voiced by and played by Taika Waititi. And he's the kind of fan favourite character. He has a, you know, he speaks in a kind of Kiwi accent. He's- um, He's based on every bouncer on K-Road, which is, it's, it's funny seeing him in interviews talk about like, oh, where'd you get yeah. the voice for Korg? And it's like, oh, he's every bouncer on K-Road. And it's like, that's just by my work. And <laughs> this yeah, fucking e-presenter yeah. e doesn't know this- where that is.
1: Yeah, the biggest movie in the world has a New Zealand <laughs> joke in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what was so shocking seeing this in the cinemas because Korg hadn't been revealed till you saw it at the movies, I don't think. Uh, he um, had been, but yeah, come on. I I, I hadn't seen him. Um, and it was just like a, what the fuck is like my local humour in the biggest movie in the world right now? <laughs> you know, so I think that's that's one of the reasons I quite like Korg is because of, of that of yep. it. But yeah
0: yeah and um uh but yeah so korg is the character used twice it's never confirmed in universe that the one from the dark world is korg so you could just say ah you know what they intended it to be one thing but that's not in the work um but i messaged you the other night i had a theory that there's a a line that korg says in the dark world and i'm sorry in ragnarok where he's like, "Oh, we tried to start a revolution, but we didn't put enough pamphlets, so only my mum and her new boyfriend, who I hate, showed up."
1: <laughs> and- such a funny line. I'm sorry. I hate. I hate like. I hate being such a shill for this. But it's like, who I hate? What? <laughs> like it's such yeah. a like it's the 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 dialogue of Korg just takes you on such a fun journey with everything he says. I love it so much.
0: Yeah, and um. Yes, yeah, so I had a theory that maybe the one from the Dark World who was killed is Korg's dad, uh, and then his mum started dating again, and that's mm. why he hates, because he, he loved his dad. Yeah. He doesn't know that Thor killed him. No. And then he um, his mum started dating again, and he's not happy about it. Well, maybe this
1: could be a plot line for Thor 4. Yeah, for Thor 4. Thor 4. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, oh, okay, one thing as well. Talking about what was and wasn't revealed before the film. There was a- Do you remember the trailer for this one, the first trailer? I
1: remember that music.
0: Yeah, I lost my hammer, so- (laughs) Um, yeah but it has him losing his hammer so the, the famous shot of he throws his hammer and Heller catches it and crushes it do you remember where that took place in the trailer yeah it was in like an alleyway right yeah but it's not in the film it's it's very poorly green screened into a <laughs> field in Norway yeah. um, which they actually filmed it there so like I don't know why it looks like it looks like shit um, but I think certain characters were put were green screened there and certain weren't
1: yeah I imagine their first interaction with Heller was maybe in a different was in the city
0: yeah, well, so what? It, what it originally was was, um, and and test audiences responded badly to this, but uh, because you know they, they go to Earth to find uh, Odin, and then he ends up telling them, "Oh, by the way, you've got us coming back," and "Oh, I'm dead," uh, which Odin has like a tendency to do. <laughs> like he's like, "I'm adopted," and he's like, "Ah, I'm going to an Asgardian coma."
1: Odin's not a good guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's not a good dad. Um but yeah, so originally had they find um Odin and hilariously he's a homeless man. He's he's like an old bum. And then hilariously he just dies in squalor on earth. Um and people were just like, that's too sad. That's not <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. And so they, they moved it to this kind of like nice spiritual place. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's one of those things. I can see why Taika Waititi would find that really funny or like think that that's a really like, oh, he's Odin. And now he's like, it's Anthony Hopkins and he's 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 sleeping on cardboard. And then yeah. this is just where he dies. And it's like, oh, that's that's just, yeah, yeah, too far. So, I mean, I'm glad that he had the sort of, you know, mm. the, the the foresight, the, the sight to- yeah. Dial that back a touch. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you reckon, so the, the while um, well, we're talking about behind the scenes stuff, I rem- have you got this written down about how, like, Chris Hemsworth pushed for Taika Waitita to be hired for this movie?
0: Uh, well, yeah, Or do you want me sure. to
1: paraphrase from my memory? Like, okay. <laughs> I think- Chris Hemsworth was talking to Kevin Feige or someone at Marvel about how he was well aware that his his franchise was the dud and that no one really liked it and he wanted to do something big or else he wanted to bow out basically mm-hmm. and so he I think he pushed for Tyker to be hired um, which is a good decision because I'd say if we especially if we get a Thor four with Tyker I'd love to see Tyker be to, um be to 4. be to Thor what. The Russo brothers are oh, yeah. to Captain America, or um, John Favreau is to Iron Man, or or James Gunn yeah. is to Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you say like John Favreau is to Iron Man when like Shane Black did
1: <laughs> did my favorite Iron. Oh, it's yeah. not my favorite Iron Man film. But it's still, um, you know, it's still you get. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. having
0: having those those voices, and I think that that's what's really cool in Infinity War is that all these people had input. You know, yeah, James yeah. Gunn was there to, to see what you're doing with the Guardians and make sure it's in tone with it. And then um, the the Russos had a lot of meetings with Tyker to, to discuss the changes made to the character mm. in Ragnarok. And uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I would like to see Hank coming back. But yeah, but so, because it is weird to, to do Tyker as um, the. Yeah, the guy behind it. um, And a lot, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he got the job because of Hunt for the Wilder People, which came out like just over a year before this movie. <laughs> and it's like, how, how fucking fast do you think movies happen? But, you yeah, know, so they, they'd been, Taika made got the job because he made like a scissor reel, which is he cut scenes from different films, like Escape from New York was one of them, I can't remember what else, and put and cut it together to Immigrant Song. And,. Mm-hmm. Uh, Led zeppelin's immigrant song which features heavily in this in this film and he presented that to marvel and said this is kind of the tone and we are able to want to take the character and they were blown away by it and apparently marvel actually discourages making sizzle real so if you're an aspiring director who wants to do that unless you're your one is as good as if or better than tyker's you're probably not going to get the job from doing or it. or
1: if you're as successful already as tyker yeah exactly
0: <laughs> um but yeah and then uh Kevin Feige said they they were huge fans of Boy and that was the film that they were like yeah let's get Taika on board and uh yeah it's really interesting because he said that they, they were developing Ragnarok with him for a few years before it was before it was fully announced and then he said that they kept they kind of being like oh Taika you yeah, he, he's like oh I've got to go back to New Zealand to him shooting this other movie and they're like, oh what is it he's like oh, it's just like you would be interested it's just this like small little this little piece and then they did like a screening for the marvel film. they went to the they got invited to the premiere of hunt for the world people and kevin Feige yeah, saw an interview with them talking about it, and he's like we watched it and we were like how were you hiding this from us like <laughs> this is the best movie i've ever seen what are you talking about <laughs> that's um, really cool yeah, so it's cool that, like, Kevin Feige, you know, is a huge fan of Hunt for the World people, mm. uh, which, I mean, ob- oh, he obviously is when he hired Taika Waititi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He obviously would be. But, yeah, no, it's because it is a very interesting choice. And Taika has said in the past, like, he's not at all interested in doing, like, big movies, big budget kind of movies. Uh, but, you know, I guess he's just not a man of his word.
1: I remember reading an, an AMA with Taika where someone asked him about For The Dark World and he was like, oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like Taika Waititi being someone who's gone from like an indie film to doing like this huge blockbuster and now like, you know, Star Wars knocking at his door and like all these people are so wanting to work with him. And it's like, I would love to know uh, a little bit about the process and what it was like for him, uh, you know, taking that leap and like, how do you learn to direct a Marvel film and stuff like that? I've always been curious about that. Like, how does someone who made like what we do in the shadows then know how to shoot like Four passes of a scene, uh, so that you get all the coverage you need for the CGI and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I said like shooting four passes of a scene, like like I know how to do. It. I'm like, how does he learn how to do it? <laughs> I don't. Like I don't know how, at all how to shoot for action like that. And like you know, and, and that absolutely amazes me that people can. Um, but I've watched many interviews with Taika Waititi trying to find out stuff like this because it'd be really interesting. And he. You won't give us, st- and not like in a David Lynchian way, where it's like the art is too important. He would just rather joke around and not take anything seriously. So people are like, "Oh, you know what was it like getting this job?" He's like, "Oh, you know, ugh, did a big fart." And then <laughs> <He's> <laughs> obviously, I'm it, not did- as funny as Taika Waititi. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, like, like, like talking about you know, Thor the Dark. Obviously, he's seen Thor the Dark World. You you can't direct the third Thor movie without having seen the second one, like but he's just like oh it's so much funnier if i say i haven't and so now we don't, we don't get to know what he thinks of it
1: i think i think at the time he might not have seen it i don't know um anyway but what I, i've seen like a, there's like a wired director breaks down a scene video with him that
0: yeah and he's just making fun of it the whole time
1: i didn't think he was i thought it was pretty earnest.
0: Like, he, he just like, oh, look, so we've got all these muscles on Chris Hemsworth. And then, like, there, there, there are a couple of things where he talks about shooting multiple passes of a scene. I'm like, this is really interesting. And then he's like, oh, and then um, Tom Hiddleston's handsome. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're back to doing, doing anything. And that, that's kind of, and I think that's a lot of my bitterness towards Taika Waititi comes from is, is that, like, he's almost one of those people that I, I like, wouldn't like to meet. I mean, if you want to meet me, Taika, like, you know, I'll happily These meet are you.
1: some fucking strong words for, like, but, like well, well, just, the, the closest just, like, or, big like, director we are to meeting, probably, <laughs> at least proximity-wise. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're, like, I don't know, or, or like, interview, it's, like, I, I it, it'd be fun to joke around, but there's so much stuff, and it, it's almost because I like him so much that mm. I want to actually know all this stuff seriously, but I fear I won't get a straight answer out of him.
1: Okay, well, let's- that all
0: over the place is my opinion of Taika Waititi. I like him. I do like him.
1: I would I'm I would love his career.
0: <laughs> I'm jealous of him. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I would, I would like you know, because of what we look like and and what our interests growing up, everyone's like, Oh, you're gonna be the next Peter Jackson, are you? Like they're like, Oh, oh, AJ's gonna broadcasting school and, and your parents' friends go, Oh, oh, next Peter Jackson. I would much rather be the next Tiger.
1: Yeah. I literally got the award at the end of high school for most likely to be the next Peter Jackson. Uh, and I cannot wait to either disappoint my high school brethren for the rest of my life when I don't become the next Peter Jackson or um, they just forget who I am because (laughs) I don't become the next Peter Jackson. Uh, Yeah, I I, I agree. I'd way rather be the next Taika than the next Peter Jackson. Um, Mm. But I feel doomed. I feel like I'm not going to get either. Like I'm I'm picking and choosing when it's like, uh, you're probably going to be the next nobody. So that's fine too. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, Are you ready for some dumb IMDB trivia before we move on?
1: Uh, Yes.
0: Um, So, four out of 15 people found this interesting. Uh, It is not known the reason why Thor broke up with Jane. Wow. So, there's a bit in the film where they're back on Earth and Loki mentions Jane, Jane Foster, Natalie Portman's character, dumping... Thor, and he goes, oh, I dumped her. It was, it was mutual dumping. And um, it's pretty heavily implied that she dumped him and he's being defensive. Yeah. Um, but according to the Sign to Be Trivia, he dumped her. But we don't know why.
1: We may never know.
0: All right. So next up, we've got Black Panther that came out in 2018. It was the first Marvel film of 2018, directed by Ryan Kugler and Alex. What's this one about?
1: Stop calling me Alex. I'll, I'll answer. I'll tell you what it's about if you call me by my true name.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, King.
1: Ah, hmm. uh, uh. it's a trick question. No human tongue can pronounce my
0: true name. <laughs> I've got a pretty talented tongue.
1: <laughs> I don't. I know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in, in Black Panther, T'Challa is crowned king of Wakanda following his father's death, but his sovereignty is challenged by an adversary who plans to abandon the country's isolationist policies and begin a global revolution. This is pretty good for Wikipedia. Um, well, like, Wikipedia only... tends
0: to be good.
1: Like... No, but compared to the last two, which didn't really feel feel like they had enough, um, yeah. that was quite sure. thorough. Uh, so Wakanda, it's a fictional... Um, at least in real life, and in, in the world of the film, it's not fictional. Uh, <laughs> Af- African nation that um, at the you know, thousands of years ago, a vibranium being the strongest metal in on Earth that um, Captain America's shield is made out of. Uh, an mm-hmm. asteroid with vibranium crashed into this part of Africa, and Wakanda was built upon it. So Wakanda is like this Afrofuturist futurist um, city where that is technologically advanced but nobody knows about it because it's a secret. Yeah. No one in the rest of the world
0: knows it's about like it. It's like the island at lost. You have to like enter it at a certain angle.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a so AJ, what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Ninety eight. Oh, way off again. Ninety seven.
1: Oh, god damn it. This is comical. It's comical in my my failure.
0: Um <laughs> so this is first this is the highest ranked on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, I ranked it fifth in my, and uh, let it, uh, yeah, I ranked it fifth on um, my let let it,
1: yeah. I Originally, I ranked this fourth, um, and now I've ranked it second. My God. But guess what the best part about Marvel's best films are? Doesn't really matter where you rank them, because I, as I was thinking about ranking this, I was like, I don't even feel like saying this is better than Iron Man. This is as good as Iron Man. And then I was like, I'll just put it first because I could just do that. <laughs> that's, that's the best thing about having rankings which, you know, you're not responsible to anyone. I could yeah. just put it second. I could put it first if I wanted. I can put it last. Who gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) They're just movies. It doesn't matter. They're just movies, and this is just my opinion of something that doesn't matter. Um, So I can just just put it. I'm going to move it right now, Richard. I'm going to put it first.
0: Oh, my gosh, dude. Actually, I can't be bothered. Yeah, Um, no. Yeah, don't.
1: No, I said that movies don't matter, and that's not true. I want to backtrack a few seconds, especially this movie, which I think does matter. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. of all the movies to (laughs) say that they don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
0: like this is the second biggest cultural phenomenon since Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um But uh if you're a long time fan of the podcast, you'll get that reference. Yeah. But um yeah, so this obviously uh the most kind of note well, one major noteworthy thing about it is that it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, you know, which which kind of uh you know, like talking about each Marvel film in this kind of like mini phase solving a problem is Mm. like oh then they're they're, they're fine but they're never gonna be nominated for best picture well this (laughs) one was uh, and it solved that problem
1: (laughs) so this yeah again so what these three movies spider-man to thor to black panther if spider-man solves the villain problem if thor solves the sameness problem um i I, so Black Panther solves a lot of problems, especially regarding representation and yeah. um, how seriously people take these movies. But on a more trivial and less important sense, um, it also solves the... The racism these movie, problem. The, the, these movies don't take themselves seriously enough problem yeah. that was amplified in Thor Ragnarok. So yeah, yeah. like what I, what I like about Marvel, especially in Phase 3, which I think is the best phase, um, is that... The every time people start complaining about something in Marvel, the next film solves that problem. And this, and it's mm. like that they they must like plan it ahead because you know this would have always or you know been almost finished by the time Thor Ragnarok's reception came out. um. But yes, somehow they knew that people weren't going to, that people, some people would be annoyed that Marvel films were getting too comical. And then they released this film, which I've said on the podcast before because we've talked about Black Panther on like three or four different podcasts now. Yeah, I was
0: going to say that this will probably drive it over the edge of Bohemian Rhapsody to be (laughs) the most talked about film on this podcast.
1: And this is the first Marvel film in years. To take the superhero thing seriously, mm. to not really subvert it in any big way and be fantastic because it takes yeah. it so seriously.
0: Yeah, like, so it just goes to show you, you can do a film that's, well, it kind of is an origin story, but it's not like an origin story. Um,
1: I don't think it's an origin story at all. I think his origin was in Black Panther and you get, and, and I'm and sorry, in Civil, War, Civil yeah. War and you get a bit of setup. But if anything, this is, this this almost feels like a, a Black Panther's second film. What, but like, it, yeah, it
0: is still about like, you know, we see him actually be crowned king and yeah. and all this stuff. So there there is a lot of origin stuff in it. So it, it's probably not, it doesn't start far along enough that it could be a sequel, but because it does have a little bit of origin yeah. stuff, which is kind of what I mean, that it's like, yeah, it shows that you can do a film that isn't an origin film that doesn't have to be like, hey, look, we know these movies are silly. Yeah. And 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 still fully work. I mean, I guess like the other example of that would be like something like Logan, which yeah. works because it takes itself so seriously. Um, yeah. and-, and look,
1: I'm I'm all for that as well. I I know I love Thor Ragnarok a lot, but the the I just don't like things being in the middle. Go one way or the other. Commit. That's why Logan's so great. That's why Black Panther's so great. That's why Thor Ragnarok's so great. It's because it's like and or like even outside of all this, something like The Dark Knight. why i think that movie is great is because the worst especially in in a genre as saturated um as superhero the worst thing you can do is be normal or bore or in the middle this is why something like aquaman i think was kind of a a plop in the in the water
2: (laughs) (laughs) a plop in the ocean
1: yeah 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 a drop in the ocean that's yeah that's a good way to put it because it's just a it's just a um you know it's just a superhero movie and it's like well you can actually have different extremes of that that idea and i think that's why i love black panther so much is because i didn't think this a year and a half ago i thought that you had to subvert things to make them better yeah. now, especially in something like superheroes. And then Black Panther came and subverted the subversion by bringing us back to Iron Man levels of loyalty to its to its text, right? And like, ah, oh, this film's so good, man. It's so good for for that reasons and that reason and yeah. many more reasons.
0: It's similar to Civil War in that I'm like, oh man, this film's real good. And then I'm like. Wait, this film is real good. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, totally. you're watching because I watched this movie like six weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I still watched it again last night and was like, "Yeah, man, this film's real good." I like, it yep. was cool that I have seen it so recently and because I've seen this movie like five times, and it's, it's yep. only been out for like a year. Um, and yeah, I, I can have it's a it's now at that realm where I can have it on the background and fully follow everything because I'm so familiar with it. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, uh, and for my money, uh, sorry Michael Keaton, but Killmonger is my favourite MCU villain. Oh yeah, sorry hey, Thanos. Like I think I I love Killmonger. I think that, um, and I wanna I, I want to kiss him on the mouth. Um, I want to kiss him on all his little scars that he made for every person he killed. I want to kiss every one of them. Um. The <laughs> the uh, I've completely lost track. That was a, was the joke worth the sacrifice of losing? Oh, 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 my, amazing my <laughs> train of thought. Um. Yeah. I I I feel like I've said this on one of the other seventeen podcasts we've talked about Black Panther on. Um. But I what won me over to this movie because uh, you know if you listen to episodes of our show from this time, um, two years ago. I well maybe not this time two years ago but after the first Black Panther trailer I was like yeah it just looks too Phase One, um and I it was re- it was when I identified with the villains cause and then. Well, no, it's when I, it's when I disagreed with the heroes, and then discovered the villain had what I <laughs> what was going on in my head be his motivation. That I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> like I've, <laughs> I've accidentally sympathised with the villain. They got me, you know. Yeah. It was like I wasn't expecting it because you hear about Wakanda and you hear about how they have all this technological advancement. And watching this movie it got up up until the car chase with um Claw Andy Circus's Claw, the whole movie I was just like, fuck, like. The African-American and, and, you know, um, people of color have been struggling for hundreds of years, and there's been this technologically advanced civilization that could do something for them. Why are they—it's such a weird thing. Why would they not— why would they wait in the shadows and, ha- and when like people who look like them and, and are, are related to them and like represent them are going through such hardship? There's such a big flaw in this mm. movie, represented because it's been
0: that. around since like slavery times. Yeah, They're, yeah. Like, and the, I, the vibranium at Wakanda, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can get behind this movie because there's such a big logical flaw in the fact that it is crazy to me that a that a nation of Africans wouldn't stand up for their fellow brothers. I was like this is a bad movie and then Killmonger comes on the scene and he's like there are people all over the world who look like you and you, yeah. and we do nothing to try and save them and I was like oh shit like, it was like it was one of the most transcendent experiences I've had watching a Marvel film you know what I mean like that mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting to relate so strongly and you know I don't think I would relate as far as to be violent about it as Killmonger is you but- don't
0: think so but
1: yeah. the jury's still out <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the jury's still out. Um, but one of the coolest, one of the coolest fucking things about this movie, in terms of character arcs and screenwriting, is that the decisions of the villain change the main character's life. Yeah, because at the end of the film, Wakanda announces that who they are to the world. And how often do you get that? How often do you get? How often
0: does a, a- tiny African nation <laughs> that has access to all of this? announce it to the world
1: yeah how often does that happen No. how often does a how often is a villain in a movie a version of the main character but taken to this deadly extreme in which his purpose in the like cosmic sense of the story is to pull this character to a place he needs to be to make better decisions for the world it's Hmm. excellent Richard it's so good you're telling me mate yeah I know
0: Um, yeah, Killmonger's is great, and also like uh, Michael B. Jordan's just great. Yeah, and I'm bummed that he's killed off, and <laughs> that Ryan Coogler's doing the sequel because I just like I don't know if I want to see a Ryan Coogler movie without Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Not in a sense that like oh he's not good enough, but like I, I love those two together because they did uh, Fruitvale Station, which is amazing. Uh, they did Creed, which is incredible, and then this, and it's like I- I'm you know I'm worried now that. Um, They're going to
1: bring him back. I've heard rumblings that they're bringing Killmonger back somehow for a Black Panther sequel, which would suck.
0: Well, Um, no, no, actually, no, uh, no, no, Um, because there's a big thing in this movie about being able to go to the ancestral plane to see, to visit dead people. And especially with the changes that T'Challa goes through in this movie, I think it would make sense for Killmonger to be there and for him to be able to have discussions about that Mm. with him. True. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's similar to um, James Gunn having Michael Rooker in all of his films, and now he's yeah, and now he's dead. So it's like, yeah. oh, well, you guys were so good together.
1: Really, the the only flaw I could point to in this film, well, I, I, people talk about the ending not being that great because the bad guy and the good guy are just good and evil versions of each other. But that's I was watching it last night, and I was like, that's such a superfluous yeah, no, good and evil. Like, like,
0: well, the fact that it's it's very CGI and the.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah but you make you know you make killmonger's suit a different color and you've solved the problem yeah. essentially um but the 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 other thing I'd say is just like if I was going to critique it on anything I'd say the the villains are way more interesting than the main hero uh, yeah, but well, that, yeah you know I think
0: that that's cool as well there yeah i think i I'd say it's the strength of the film is that yeah. you 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 identify that your main character is super serious and and not really. That interesting. So you make every single character around him more interesting than him. Mm.
1: Yeah, there's like a team of the car again. The cast. Oh, Martin Freeman. Ah, oh, I love Martin Freeman so. I love much. that you're like, oh,
0: the cast is amazing. Uh this one white person,
1: Andy Serkis. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. um, <laughs> no, there like, was like yeah. when when uh, Marvel announced they're doing Shang Chi or Shang Chi, the like to be their first Asian superhero. Um, they, the comment the top comment was like let me guess like it'll be really well received when it first comes out but then there'll be heaps of comment on reddit that essentially boiled down to um, the third act like I enjoyed the start of the film but they lost me in the third act um, like in brackets white character uh, was the best part I don't see why the movie couldn't have been about him <laughs> because <laughs> everyone's like, oh, "Well, cool was the best part of the movie." <laughs> yeah,
1: I did just like wax lyrical about Killmonger for.
0: I feel like I've earned enough. You've done enough.
1: <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry if this is if this is um making you've life, earned but I, don't mean to. but I don't know i just want to i just enjoy i enjoy all the characters in this movie yeah, yeah. well i don't even not enjoy t'challa it's just he's yeah. probably my the least I, I, I
0: love the the relationship that develops between Martin because because a lot of the film is Martin freeman realizing that the world is kind of bigger than he thought Yeah, uh, because you know he, he mentions that uh claw stole all of Wakanda's vibranium, thinking like Wakanda's this tiny nation of farmers that have this one rare, very rare metal, um, yeah. and so yeah, like there's a lot of cool cool stuff there with that. Um, one thing that happens with Martin Freeman that's interesting as well, I'd like to see your interpretation of this is that when uh, they go to see Mbaku, Winston mm-hmm. Duke's Mbaku, he um, Martin Freeman speaks up and they and they 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 bark at him. And he's like, one more word out of you and I will feed you to my children. And then he's like, oh, just kidding. We are vegetarians. And then yep. he says, oh, fishermen oh, fisherman found T'Challa. Why were they fishing if they're vegetarians, AJ?
1: Because uh, fish, many vegetarians they're, they're still fish. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: um, but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, that could just be that his family is vegetarian. Yeah, that's what I was
1: going to say. Yeah. We are vegetarians as in the children I was going to feed you to are vegetarians. Yeah, yeah that, that solves it enough. Yeah, me? yeah, no. One of my favorite things about Mbaku is that um I've recently seen us. We both we've both recently seen us, in which he's Not one together. of my characters in. Um yeah, we didn't see it as us, we saw it separately. Um <laughs> the 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 voice, which it's probably his real voice, but it's a very um comforting and like kind of broy voice that he has in us is like my most recent. You know, it's, uh, what's it, Winston Duke? Did you say Winston his name? Winston Duke, is? yeah, yeah, yeah. And his first line as Mbaku and Black Panther, I heard the you want to get crazy like tone. Behind <laughs> we can get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard for like a second, this actual voice behind the accent. <laughs> it's <was> real funny. <laughs> um,
0: that's funny as well because uh, Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o mm. went to they studied together um, yeah. at the Academy of performing arts or whatever and they went to go see avengers together oh that's cute and they were like oh my god wouldn't
1: it be great to be in
0: to be in something like that and then you know come the third avengers movie winston duke's
1: in it yeah that's so cool
0: yeah i see that i i I say that with every movie i go to i'm like man wouldn't it be cool and nothing's happened yet no
1: No. yeah just whispering out to the universe man it would be cool one day (laughs) one one day. day i'll be in an avengers film um, one day
0: so uh, one uh, funny thing about this film uh, obviously you know lo- a large portion of it takes place in Africa there's a little there's a little excursion to South Korea which was shot, shot on location in South Korea do you know that nothing in this film was shot in Africa
1: is that a bad I, thing? it was all
0: shot in Atlanta um, I mean yeah, it's like it's fine whatever um, mm. but yeah funny yeah
1: mm, very funny
0: very yeah I was just going to say it was funny and it is um So this film won a few Oscars. One that it won uh, that I I thought was really cool, I was really stoked to see it win, was Score for Mm -hmm. Ludwig Granson, who's got his start at doing the music for Community, where he obviously met um, Donald Glover and then became kind of his collaborator for his Childish Gambino projects and so now he's won like Grammys and he won an Oscar because he did the soundtrack for this and it's a great score and not only that but also the music and it's great because Kendrick Lamar got asked to do like a an inspired by album and the album's great Mm. and the the sort of the title or not not title track but the the lead single from that all the stars um Mm. fuck that's a good song
1: yeah yeah totally um, but it, it is
0: funny, though, that there's one of the songs, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's it's written for the album, and it's playing diegetically in South Korea. Um, is that
1: when the, during the car chase? Uh, no, I think it's it's before the Ken- car chase in singing something during the car chase. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's like, it's
0: actually coming from speakers inside the right, casino. Right. And yeah. so it's like, does Black Panther the album exists in this universe (laughs) i mean it could because i mean black panther people know that 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 he's a superhero i guess Mm. um they don't know that he's the king of uh, wakanda but Mm -hmm. yeah like kendrick lamar exists and it's just a real big
1: fan and he made this album (laughs) (laughs) yeah man well hey what else is there to say, dude? What else is there to say about Black Panther? Do you haven't you haven't given me any? Um, this person was nearly. <laughs> you haven't given me any. This person was nearly cast as this person. This yeah, episode. well,
0: because you know Black Panther and uh, Spider Man both made their debut in Civil War, so yeah, that would have been the time for that.
1: But weren't there any other conversations around? You know, maybe someone was going to play Nakia or or, you know, nah. No. Okay.
0: Um, it is interesting. <laughs> the uh, it is interesting though that uh, the crew uh, actually was all kind of Ryan Coogler, and and again talking about solving problems with Marvel. Ryan Coogler watching Marvel films th- thought these all feel the same, so he like bought his own crew on. So the Rachel Morrison who shot Creed and who shot F- Fruitvale Station shot this movie, and oh. you know bought the like, he bought his own costume designers, and now they're Oscar winners and stuff like that. So it was cool that like and. And Kevin Feige again. It's not like you know, Rage Against the Machine kind of thing. He was like hundred percent best idea, like such a good idea. Fully bring everyone in. So
1: mm. I watched, um, I watched that Marvel actors roundtable the other day with oh, yeah. Kevin Feige on it. And one of the things they said in it that really caught my attention was that they're talking about um, that how uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow was was potentially like a a move, a step forward for female superheroes, and that. Mark Ruffalo is talking about how like for a long time people, studios and, and people, you know, producers didn't think that a woman could be a superhero. And then he looks at, at, um, at Kevin Feige and goes, not this guy, by the way, this guy never. And I thought that was, that kind of warmed my heart to know that like the fact it took this long to get black Panther or captain Marvel, or, you know, like female mm-hmm. or minority led superhero movies. It wasn't because of this guy who I've, I've that's what's been kind of holding me back from seeing Feige as like this superhero rock star is you know, knowing that, that mm. it's had such a problem with representation. But I'm still that, part
0: of a machine and he's yeah, he's, yeah, should be emblematic of any issues you have, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, like it, it is really cool seeing the way everyone talks about Kevin Feige, and it's really interesting as well because I haven't actually seen that many, um. That many people, and we'll talk maybe talk about this more in Infinity War. But you never really hear people talk about what the Russos are like to work with. You hear like, mm. um, you know, on every interview for Thor Ragnarok, everyone's just talking about how amazing Taika is, and like yeah. obviously, like Ryan Coogler was like a huge thing here. But I've never heard anyone be like, oh, you know, the Russos are so great to you know every day on set with the Russos is is yeah. a new adventure or anything like that. Um, it's because it's you, not. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's just a job. Uh, but yeah, like Kevin Feige, yeah, I, I, he is he is open to a lot, and I think he he's quite humble for what he's what he's managed to achieve. And there was like a quote came out today about how he's like, uh, you know, despite you know he's been in the edit base for all these films, and and you know shows up on set a lot. He's got no intention to direct a Marvel film, um, which is cool and, and shows a level of self awareness. As yeah, well, yeah. which is cool and
1: well i almost feel like the russo brothers are the the supernatural extension of the cthulhu yeah. that is kevin feige <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that's his human form is the <laughs> is the-, the russo brothers yeah his pa- but- the power of feige cannot be contained to one mortal vessel so he made two brothers so that they <laughs> direct for him
0: yeah maybe that's what happened <laughs> but also the fact that um, that Feige hasn't put himself in any of these films as well was cool. I mean, I mean, maybe yeah. he's just self conscious about the way he looks. Um, he, sh-
1: he should be. Like, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah,
0: but uh, I mean, like maybe after Stan, now that Stanley's gone, that he'll be the next mm. cameo. I mean, that would be quite. T- t- t-
1: <laughs> no way. I mean, I I I think I'm I'm okay with saying that Kevin Feige is the new Stan Lee. In terms of what he's done for Marvel, but I don't mm. think he should say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, 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 it's cool seeing more interviews with Kevin Feige and seeing more people talk about Kevin Feige, and mm. and you realise that yeah, like the the things it's like you talk about things. Oh, I can't believe it took this long to get there, and it's not because of him. He's the reason we finally got it. Yeah, more. Yeah. this is what it seems like anyway obviously we don't don't know but uh, yeah one one cool thing I I was just reading about this film do you know about like the three fifths principle or whatever it was called
1: no what's that
0: it was basically in times of slavery they were like oh okay we actually need to for bargaining purposes and stuff like that we need to assess how how much a, a, a black person's life is worth and they right. they decided, mathematically, they decided that it was three-fifths of a human being, mm-hmm. and or of a, of a white person. And um in Black Panther, it's uh, a conscious decision made by the costuming department that three out of every five Wakandans is barefoot.
1: Wow. I'm just trying to reconcile what that means in my head. Yeah, yeah it's just like so-
0: a-, a, a, a I was going to say fun, but it's just like an interesting little, um, right, little thing there. Nice. But um, also, this film features references to two two of the greats that were lost in 2018. Um, Stan Lee obviously has his cameo, mm-hmm. and do you know the other one I'm talking about?
1: No, tell me.
0: Uh, so there's a moment in this film where uh, Shuri is showing off. A bunch of new stuff oh, to God, Black Panther.
1: You fucking dick. Huh? I, know you're gonna, I know where this is going.
0: And um, uh, <laughs> she shows yep. something to T'Challa and he's like, what are those? And Shuri exclaims, the better question would be, what are those? Referring <laughs> to, to his shoes. T'Challa's um, sandals. And he says, and also what? referring
1: and- to the the meme, which mm. uh, memes and movies don't always go too well together. So yeah, uh, probably the most out of out of all the um, the stride forwards that Black Panther did referencing a meme was probably its most controversial move. Mm. <laughs> However,
0: this film is set in twenty sixteen. Um, yeah, right at the popularity at the height of popularity of that meme, but it was yeah the the creator of that meme died in twenty eighteen. <laughs> So,
1: I wonder if he got royalties for, for the reference in Black Panther.
0: Huh?
1: I wonder if like his estate got royalties for the reference. Yeah,
0: in Black yeah, Panther. yeah. Uh, so uh, <sighs> this one's damn. for you. What are those, guy?
1: Damn, Daniel.
0: Back at it again with the touching tribute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we better get a damn Daniel reference in In, in Endgame. If we don't get a damn Daniel in Endgame, we riot. It's my one thing it's the one thing on my wish list.
0: Literally, if they get to the end of the film and there hasn't been a damn Daniel, I'm walking out.
1: Well, I mean I'd stay for the post credit scene because it might be there. But yeah, after yeah, that yeah. I'm walking but out after that I'm walking out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh but speaking of big Avengers films, should we bloody move
1: on? I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Uh, Okay, well, the next film we're about to talk about is Avengers Infinity War, which was quite a large film, uh, not just in terms of um, size, but also in terms of heart.
1: Wow. Shall we see how far we can go with this without having actually rewatched it?
0: let's
1: go watch it let's go watch it and we'll be back to you in just a sh- just a, a, a mere few seconds wait
0: because how many times have you seen Infinity War as of now once okay how
1: many times have you seen
0: it I think four
1: far out when do you watch these movies
0: I don't I lie about how many times I've seen <laughs> them like just then <laughs> I've never seen a Marvel film in my <laughs> life
1: alright uh, Yeah, no. I think <laughs> I've
0: seen it three or four times um, alright alright See you in a few seconds.
1: And we're back. We're not back yet. All right, wasting time. Okay, bye.